Alrighty, so it's 2020, guys. So naturally, mm-hmm. naturally, we're going to talk about something that happened last year because, come on, it was so long ago. So is it's it's retro now. In our defense, it's been the, a couple weeks. In our defense, the new the new year started yesterday, so it's okay to talk about things that happened. Like, no, no, and just like that, Neil immediately dates this podcast. Gross. Oh, who fucking cares? No one cares. <laughs> yeah. Your brother Brian doesn't care. Hi, Brian. Hi, Brian. Yeah. Assuming he listened to more than just the one. <laughs> We we'll see. A new listener question mark? <laughs> <laughs> what? A new listener? Find out at the end of this podcast. There is no. Brian, if you're listening to us, say Rise of Squawker in the, either on Steven's Facebook or uh, on oneofus.net. Thank you. Anyway, uh, Geeks at Large, I'm your host, Taylor. In, my brother gets a call out. Fuck yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he does. Yeah, we like him. So We have we proof of existence. Yeah. There's proof of life <laughs> in Brian Ingram. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's like searching the desert and finding a beautiful orchid that's named Brian Ingram. <laughs> There you go. It's like searching the desert. I called your brother a beautiful flower. He, he, there you go. It's like searching the desert and finding two, like two sculptures of like feet right there. Was this like Quentin Taylor's Tarantino? Analogy like, was really nice, Neil. I don't know what yours is. I was, going for, an, about I was going for the Ozymandias poem, you pieces of shit. No. I was being literary. downright esoteric. I was being, I was being literary and trying Shut to Shut up. We're talking about fucking Ryan Johnson who directed Ozymandias of Breaking Bad. We're not talking about him because he supposedly ruined Skywalker. Star, Star Wars. Are you, having Except, a, are you having a stroke? No, that's ableist. <laughs> Neil, get out of here. Fuck off. I was trying to introduce you guys. <laughs> then Steven was all like, mm, you talking about my brother. <laughs> so well, My brother got an introduction before any of us. I was going to introduce you, and then you had to uh, get, get all up in my stuff. So, I don't know. Fuck. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right, everybody. I'm See Taylor. That's fucking Steven over there. That's me, yeah. That's, that's Neil. Neil's over here. Hi. Me too. Hi. All right. So, um, Star Wars. None of us are excited. Is this this the first Star Wars episode I've been on? Because I think it's usually you and Casey, right? Were you here for Last Jedi? Oh, yeah, I probably was. Yeah, Yeah, you were here for Last Jedi. We didn't do a solo one. Yeah. Because things happened. Like solo. Yeah. We were all with our families, which Han didn't have any, hence where he got his name. That was a summer movie, you liar. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. There was no reason for not doing a solo podcast, except for we just just also didn't want to. (laughs) Well, it wasn't that we thought Solo was a bad movie. No, not at all. It was a fun movie. Remember fun Star Wars movies? Yeah, Solo was a fun movie. There's also not much else to say about Solo in terms of like, wow, remember when that happened? It's usually like anyone who sees it is like, that was fun. All right, yeah. I'm going to go back to work now. Yeah, I like the lady from Fleabag playing a fucking android. L337, which I don't know how they got away with. How'd you remember that? Uh, because her name is L337, oh. which when I read that, I was like, how did they get away with that? They got All- this Disney money, so... Also, who thought that was a great idea? Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. But... Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna talk about good and not so good Star Wars. We're gonna we're gonna try and lay lay on the positive side of things here because yeah, there's a lot of Rise of Skywalker bullshit to talk about, 
We're not going to dwell on that too much, just because everyone has is a little bit. Don't you want three no. more white people talking about Star Wars? <laughs> exactly. On the internet. Which would have been... Three dumpy dudes talking about... <laughs> which is a joke that I used uh, in our Game of Thrones episode, our famous Game of Thrones episode that doesn't exist. That I'm so anymore. glad was aborted. <laughs> I, I mean, I thought it was a good episode, but... No, it aged poorly. <laughs> okay. We've all... We've both grown since then, <laughs> We've was, realized how wrong we were. No, the, most of the things I said in there, I'm like, to an extent, I'm like, eh, okay, like, whatever. But the problem is... Anything that we said, Lindsay Ellis said better. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's why I'm well, like, Well, no, I'm but fine. she also, like, countered a lot of our stuff. We are like, it's fine. You know, you know, D&D know what they're doing. Well, then, yeah. Then yeah, that's the thing that doesn't age well, is that we are like, fair. hey, they're, they're veterans, and now it's just like, oh, fuck. Oh, boy. <laughs> never mind. So, yeah, let's keep talking about that thing that never came out. Like, All right. The, like the, the, the day the version of the, the day, day the, the clown, clown cried, yeah. <laughs> There you go. Somewhere Jerry Lewis is trying to keep that episode gone, too. Rip. Rip rip in peace. Oh, that's right. He's dead. Oh, I forgot. (laughs) I don't Um, know. For some reason. I saw this clip of him recently where he was being interviewed for an episode of The Twilight Zone that he was in. Except the thing is, Jerry Lewis does not remember a single fucking thing about The Twilight Zone episode he was in. And also, Jerry Lewis is a very crabby and unhappy man. So he responded to every question with, I don't remember. Okay, bye. And it's both hilarious and horrible at the same time. Hmm. It's hilarious to me as a viewer because of how awful it is. But I've been in a situation similar to that before, you know, where you're interviewing someone and they're kind of not giving you stuff. But his was, like, way, way worse. So I can imagine me being in that situation, too, uh, and just watching my life fall apart in front of me in the f- in the form of Jerry Lewis's frown. Speaking of frowns, I had, I had some of them while watching The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Oh, like, man, my transition was going to be way more convoluted. <laughs> I was going to say it sounds like this Game of Thrones podcast that we did is never going never is going to see the light of the day because our creator, Taylor, doesn't want it to be aired, much like George Lucas with the holiday special of Star Wars. Star Wars! Last- <laughs> Star Wars! <laughs> We, we finally limped across the finish line. Well, we burned through a tank of gas, but we finally got there. <laughs> Whereas with Taylor, we're, we just we're crossing the finish line like Anakin and Revenge of the Sith. After he's I didn't destroyed. count on Taylor having a solid transition. Whereas there. with Taylor's, we literally just crossed the street. <laughs> I get it. We're very. It's very against type of me. Mm. So yeah, uh, yeah. So as Benny probably know by now. Rise of Skywalker, the final Star Wars film in the main Skywalker saga yeah. has arrived. Uh, and hopefully gone by the time <laughs> <laughs> this airs, too. When I post it in six months. <laughs> um, no, the, the, the pain will linger forever. You know? Duh. Yeah. Um, I don't even want to talk about this. How do you stop <laughs> How do you summarize this fucking movie? I feel like anyone who's listening to this has already seen Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, and I'm just going to yeah, say we're, right we're now. The spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah, fucking fuck you, spoilers. If you got spoilers, go listen. You've seen it. If you, if you haven't seen it yet, you don't give a shit. You don't care about spoilers. Welcome. If you haven't, if you haven't if you, listened to this yet, I don't know what you're doing here. 
Uh, I can read off a list of other better podcasts to listen to, much like I always do. Just go listen to those. Just listen to the highly suspect review, also on One of Us Net, by the very fine reviewers, um, also on the site. Yeah, <laughs> where they're just like I knew it was going to be an experience seeing Rise of Skywalker when they're just so sad, <laughs> and I could feel their sadness, and I was like. Fuck, man. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's a great review, though. Yeah. Beautiful. Hey, anyway, uh, we're not going to summarize it. Fucking, there's no plot. <laughs> is there a plot to this movie? There Other is, and yet there isn't. Loose it's, ends it's, are tied? Question mark? Is that, is that the But it turns out they're attached to shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and then the movie trips. And then <laughs> falls downstairs. Specifically the stairs from Joker. <laughs> Um, I'd like to take a moment to point out that um, now that Joker is out on Blu-ray, um, people have been posting scenes from Joker oh, yeah. on the internet, and uh, I found the stairs dance scene with the infamous hard cut, and <laughs> the best it is part still, of that movie. It is still just as funny, yeah. except now we can show it to Steven. We can just show it to Steven, and Steven doesn't have to sit through that movie. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, off off topic a little bit, but related to Joker, I. I'm totally on board with Scorsese being unimpressed with Joker. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that tweet was... That tweet you tweeted was great. That it tweet was... I tweeted. <laughs> you tweeted that tweet really well. Something, something, I dreamed a dream, I tweeted a tweet. I don't know. I don't want to... Where you're I'm just like, go I saw some clips... I, I got the gist. I'm done. Yeah, he's, <laughs> and I'm he, like, thank you. You're it, beautiful, Marty. It wasn't even that he hated it. He's just like, it's fine, I guess. It's fine, like, I he's guess. Just like, he's just unimpressed. I kind of just want Scorsese's take on everything now. <laughs> like, you know, like, it's like, yeah, Marvel movies are not cinema. Like, Joker was, eh, it exists. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. I kind of just want his opinion. Like, hey, what's your take on, like, gummy bears with, like, a high-fiber gummy bears? <laughs> like, what, what, what are you talking about? You're talking about, the, you're talking about the 80s cartoon? You're talking about the actual candy? You know, like, they, like, he's like that. <laughs> right. he'll, he'll give you opinions on both. Yeah. yeah. He's a major Disney afternoon fan from yeah. the late 80s, early 90s. But, he, but I'd like to think that he would have something interesting to say. Yeah. And he wouldn't just call you an outright nincompoop. He'll sing. He'll sing you the Gummy Bears theme song. Fuck yeah, he will. Well, he'll get like halfway, and then he'll get like winded, and then he'll have to quit. Wow, don't, don't make me think about Martin Scorsese dying. Well, no, Scorsese just has horrible asthma. He always has. Yeah, that's true. That From sense. all the drugs. From all the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> all those fucking drugs. Is it true that cocaine gives you asthma? <laughs> Let's find out. Is that why my mom is always breathing really heavy in her bedroom? And always wiping Remember her nose? Remember all the asthma in Scarface? <laughs> Isn't it so ob- obvious why we don't want to talk about Rise of Skywalker? <laughs> we keep talking about other things. Our review of Rise of Skywalker is going to be a lot like... Tristram Shandy, a cock and bull story where we set out to start talking about something and we talk about literally everything but. <laughs> and then at the very end, we're like, oh, okay, by the way, Rise of Skywalker, and then our recording cuts out. <laughs> so, I don't even know where to start. Um, basically, the gist is, Ray and company have to find a thing because Palpatine, the dead rises, or whatever the dead fuck speaks. The, the dead, dead speaks. speak. <laughs> Exclamation <Speak> mark. Priest. <laughs> yeah. Um, Palpatine's back, boo! And then they have to find a thing. They get a dagger, and then they gotta go. We couldn't get a use thing. knockoff Palpatine, so we just brought back Palpatine. Couldn't just fucking make Kylo Ren a villain. He sadly, just had to be Vader again. Sadly, they wanted to save money on getting their non-union equivalent friend Patine. <laughs> 
but Trumpetine. Fred <laughs> but Fred Patine was busy, so they had to get Palpatine. <laughs> and then his arch enemy, Popatine. <laughs> Turpentine. It just is like his weird, awkward son, Poutine. Poutine? <laughs> Palpatine. Just buckle up, folks. This is it's gonna be a long time. You know what Palpatine's favorite publication is? What? Palpatine Beat. <laughs> Neil's Neil's looking at me. He's trying not to laugh because he doesn't want to give me the satisfaction. I hate it so much. <laughs> I think I just gave Neil asthma. <laughs> Teen, comma, palpa. Please, he's people. Please, he's moved on to Palpatine Vogue. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Palpatine Vogue. Yeah. There you go. That would have been a more interesting Vogue movie, one. just Palpatine reading, <laughs> reading Teen Vogue. Teen Vogue. Oh, I do wonder who Jason is into at this point. Oh. <laughs> I can't even focus to do Palpatine impression. Kylo, come here. Do you think that Harry Styles is gay? <laughs> if so, do you think I have a chance? What do you think of the Party of Five remake? It is I coming th- out this year, and I, I am cannot wait. I find it oddly timely. <laughs> I, I, I am a pretty big fan of Riverdale, but I have to say I wish that uh, someone else played Jughead. <laughs> I wasn't a fan of the sweet life, if you know what I'm saying, Kylo. Probably because I never knew a sweet life. Probably because myself. I was dead or a zombie or had a bunch of fucking clones or some stupid shit. Yeah, yeah. So I think the best way to describe uh, Rise of Skywalker is um, everything happens all at once, and yet nothing happens. <laughs> this is the way the world ends. Because uh, a lot like, of shit happening. Because I mean, like. Um, why don't we just go ahead and just say what we like, what we thought about it? I didn't like it. I don't think it's a good movie. Oh. Didn't see that coming from all this conversation. <laughs> we Actually, had. I'm going to say that I liked it. Three, I, three I want there to be no misconceptions yeah. about how I feel about Rise of Skywalker. I did not like this movie. And not only did I not like this movie, I do not think it is a good movie. I don't think it's the worst movie ever made. I don't. It's not the worst Star Wars. It's, it's not the worst Star Wars movie ever made by virtue movie. of the prequels existing. But I will say it is easily the most vapid, empty, thematically irrelevant. It's Star the most Wars cynical, film. and it feels very cynical. Mm. And that's what really hurts the most because Star Wars always felt Star Wars always felt like starry eyed. Well, yeah. Star Wars is one of those where, like. Depending on who you ask, it's like, well, it's just another blockbuster or whatever. But it always felt like there was more, like, richness to it yeah. than a lot of your um, blockbusters. Like, when you watch the first one, A New Hope, it's not very blockbustery, especially by not today's really. standard. It's no. very it's very deliberately paced. Mm-hmm. It takes mm-hmm. its time, it's, which it, Rise of Skywalker fucking does not. It's shot very classically. Yes. Um, because you have Gilbert Taylor, who is very famous from... You know, like the earlier days of cinema, mm-hmm. you know, it's, shooting it. So it has edited. a very classical style. You could argue, I still argue it's one of the most perfectly edited movies. Oh, no, I agree wholeheartedly. Like, the trench run is still one of the most perfectly edited sequences in fucking movies. No, ever. it's on my, it is kind of my on my list of, you know, like I've said on this podcast before, if you can't achieve in your film what this 1977 cut of Star Wars does in its runtime, you need to go back to the, you need to go back to the, the drawing board yeah. and figure out what you did. Um, and, and a lot of, and admittedly, you know, 
Force Awakens is a little guilty of that too, because obviously it's a J.J. Abrams movie and oh, yeah. kind of his thing. But this just feels way like this just feels like him dialed up to eleven. Yes, you yeah. know, and it just feels it. Again, you, there's this whole conceit of like it doesn't feel like a Star Wars movie, or it just feels very much like a Star Wars movie, which I just don't like as a notion. No, because mm-hmm. there's it, Star Wars shouldn't have like a feel so much as just you know we've gotten enough different Star Wars movies so that like it's not like they all have this homogenous feel, you know? Right. Um, like the prequels feel different than the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Feels different than the sequel trilogy. Feels different than the the spinoff ones. Which, like, yeah. some people argue that's like one of the problems with the prequels. But I think that feeling that we feel when we watch them is that they're bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's the, the it's, feeling that I get when I watch the prequels is not like this doesn't feel like a Star Wars movie or like yeah. It's more like I'm bored. <laughs> well, it's, it's definitely a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know, like, I don't even know if I was bored with Rise of Skywalker. I think I was just kind of, like, trying to, like, recover from whiplash and Mm -hmm. just kind of finding some footing because it's just so, like, literally you have, you know, the scroll, you cut to Kylo Ren murdering people, it's come out that I guess he's on Mustafar, where... Darth Vader's palaces, which, which is featured heavily in Revenge of the Sith, which is like, why didn't you just have an establishing shot and say it was Mustafar and spend more time there so it has more relevance and more thematic significance? Mm-hmm. But you don't, because you're, you're just it's the movie is so intent on just getting to the finish line. Yeah, like it just wants to be done. Well, it's it's. Uh, I watched a video by Just Right on YouTube, which is a good channel. Mm-hmm. I would recommend it. And he makes the biggest problem regarding Rise of Skywalker known as uh, no scenes, only plot. Yep. And it's like, you know, uh, all lore, no meaning, which is something that Dan Olson on, tw- on Twitter says every once in a while, which is, you know, true. You know, a lot of things just get so caught up in the lore of whatever it is that they're making that they forget that lore is supposed to mean something. Lore is supposed right. to back something up. Lore yeah. is supposed to take something somewhere. It's not lore for lore's sake. Lore has to have meaning. And so, like, it's it's like none of these have scenes. None. Yeah. This movie has no scenes. It is just one thing happening after the other, and it happens so fast. Yes. Because, um, like, I... One of the things, like, like pe- when people insist on telling me that it's a good movie, one of the first things that I tell people is, doesn't it kind of suck that the first hour of the movie could be summed up in one sentence? Yep. Yep. Like, it could be... You could shorten that down. There's, like, four locations that they go to, all for this dumb scavenger hunt plot which can you imagine being like one of the biggest franchises in the world and still having to go with stupid MacGuffin plots mm-hmm. like what the fuck well and that's what's like nice about something like Endgame is that if you really think about it it is kind of a MacGuffin plot yeah but they mm-hmm. they make it very character driven yeah and it's like that's <laughs> what you need to do and you also, know. well, yeah, the, their quest to get the MacGuffins like informs the various characters, like right. trying to get the the Power Stone uh, from the Guardians of the Galaxy 2014 world, like starts informing Nebula's character, yeah. and uh, trying to get the Doctor Strange one gives like Hulk some interesting, uh, I don't know, and of course Iron Man, Iron Man with Tony dealing with, with his, his father, and, and uh, it's like Captain America with Peggy, and it's a movie that like slows down. Has scenes, has character moments, right? 
And and Rise of Conquer just doesn't feel like it has really any of those. There's hints of it, and like the the few times that I was like, oh, this is kind of like interesting. I want more of this. Mm-hmm. Is stuff like when they first, when they go to um, Space Burning Man, <laughs> yeah, desert, yeah. and they just like walk around for a li- for like a couple minutes and just kind of observe stuff, mm-hmm. and that's cool. I want more of that. Yeah. I, there's so much. There's so much great production design and uh, concept stuff that is wasted in this movie. Um, I forget the name of the planet and the name of the character that they're looking for, but it's the place. It's a. It's the snowy planet. Exegol is the one where Palpatine's at. Oh, I thought that was the icy one because I thought no. it sounded like icicle. <laughs> it was exegol. Wow. <laughs> Chris Terrio was on a fucking... <laughs> he was on to something when he thought of that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You put more thought into that than they did. Right. <laughs> um, but just the, that that idea of them like running around hiding from the First Order mm-hmm. is, is an interesting one. It's an interesting setup. Yeah. You could have more scenes of them just kind of... It, a lot of people said it kind of feels like a wartime movie. Yeah. It feels like a World War II era movie yeah. in how they're like, well, just like you're on the run, you're hiding out, there's their rebellion, and that evokes a lot of the original spirit of the original Star Wars because that was obviously yeah. inspired by serials. Yeah. So I, I like that. But then... Oh my god, Carrie Russell's here. Oh my god, we gotta do all this stuff. Oh my god, we gotta get this shit out of C-3PO's head so we know where the MacGuffin's located. Well, the problem is that the thing that I like about those wartime films is that there's always this tension of, you know, when you know what happens when they get caught. Yeah. Yeah. There's no tension in Rise of Skywalker. No. There's no real worry that they're going to get caught. Yeah. And that's something that permeates the film throughout the entire thing. It's just like... I know what's going to happen here. Not not saying, like, I can predict what's going to happen in the film, because that's boring. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, I know how will, how far the film is willing to go in terms of pushing things to their limit, and it's not far at all. It's very evident based on just the early parts of the film. So there's no real... There's no real tension that mm-hmm. oh they're going to get caught, and when you have a ch- when you have like a chase film where there's no tension of danger that they're going to get caught, it turns out to not be that interesting. I hate to break it. What's well, like know? the scene where they get in get onto um, is it Kylo Ren's like destroyer or whatever? Yeah, where he is, and they literally just mow down all of the stormtroopers. Yeah, they just run through the halls. It's so frantic. Yeah, and. No one's ducking behind cover or anything. No. Like, they're just in the middle of the hallway, and just stormtroopers can't shoot for shit, and they're just getting blown. It's like the worst first-person shooter <laughs> yeah. game. Like, it's like someone playing GoldenEye, and just they, they've played the same level. You're, you're watching a speed run, <laughs> a speed of, run of a video game. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it is kind of fucked up when you stop and think about it, about... The stuff that they kind of try to hint at with mm-hmm. Finn and how, oh, all these First Order people are, like, kidnapped children or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he's just, like, running through the hallways like it's no big deal. Yeah. Mo and could be his friends. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that, oh, yeah, that interesting part of oh. the whole story and Finn's character, that's just gone now. Nobody gives a shit. His, his arc literally starts with him seeing one of his... Um, 
uh, fellow soldiers sto- yeah. killed and his blood on his helmet. Yeah. One of the best visuals in the entire trilogy. Like yeah, I'm of not, the sequels. I am not the hugest fan of Force Awakens. Like I was one of those cynical assholes that walked out of it and said, like, oh wow, that was episode four with a shinier coat of paint. Um, but yeah, that opening is really effective. Oh yeah, like yeah. with Finn. Like that's yeah. you have so much potential with that character, with that opening, with that backstory. And he is just kind of squandered throughout this entire trilogy. And I will go to bat for Last Jedi, but I also kind of think he got the shaft in Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not wrong. I, I like I like him in The Last Jedi. I think that his plot is probably one of the ones that I'm least, like, like the one I'll kind of least go to bat for. Mm. But even then, I still like it just fine. Yeah. Um, I kind of wish that they had... Con- that's one of the few things from Force Awakens that I kind of wish they'd continued with. Yeah. Just kind of developing on Finn and his relationship with the Stormtroopers and whatnot. Yeah. But then, like, you know, like, bringing it back to Rise of, Jedi- uh, Rise of Skywalker, right, right. Rise of Skywalker just drops it completely. Yeah. It's just not a yeah. thing anymore. Well, like, that's the thing, is that people complain about Last Jedi and how he doesn't do anything there. Here he literally becomes... He, he goes back to just yelling for Ray and looking for Ray. Yeah. You know, and like they kind of throw in some last minute. They give you a bone like, oh, now he's he supposedly has is force sensitive, which is never established, which in the is film. never established. It's purely but, like after the fact. Yeah. So one, yeah. that is a colossal failure. Well, it's, it's just very. It, yeah, it's very poor storytelling because he just has a notion, an instinct of like, oh, we should go there. That's where we need to go. That's the objective. Well, we, I had this weird like text with you guys like uh, when, when I went to stay with my family because like, I heard people tweeting about this and I was like, wait, he was force sensitive? Like, I thought he was just like having leaderly instincts or something. Like, I thought that was just the movie's way of saying, oh, he could be a leader because he's got good instincts and he just has a good feeling about things. With Oh, no, that was force sensitivity? Like, what? I I would be hard-pressed to even agree with that. It's just, I think it's just poor storytelling. It's just like, eh, we got to get from point A to point B. Why don't you just have a feeling? I don't know. <clears throat> Which is a cardinal sin of, of screenwriting. But, like, like uh, into the Spider-Verse, like, the whole, like, you got to take a leap of faith is, like, one of the themes of the movie. And well, yeah, it's a huge character-building theme. It's a character in that theme, film. yeah. Yeah, rather than, you know, it, it's 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 important to being able to, like, with, you know, the Spider-Verse, it's about breaking free from, you know, the, the prison of your own self-doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, and that and it's, a, it's, it's beautiful. I love that in the film. Yeah. This is just more like... Can I tack on to your description of this movie? Do you sure. say, things happen... I'm going to add a single word to that, and it's somehow. Fair. Somehow Palpatine's returned. <laughs> somehow Palpatine returned. Oh, what, where, why are we going that way? I have a feeling. Yeah. Like, it's somehow, this is what we're going to do. That's fair. Yes. Um, let, let that be added to the record. <laughs> a lot of people have described Rise of Skywalker as feeling like it's it's improv, but they break the yeah, but rule. <laughs> <laughs> or yes, yes and. and. Or yes, yes and, and rule. Yes. That's what it is. Yes, yes. and rule. Um, yes. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's basically what we're talking about here. And I think the movie is perfectly epitomized by Poe saying, somehow, Palpatine's, Palpatine's returned. returned. <laughs> no no lead up. We just And that's the thing, too, is they don't even waste time getting to Palpatine. Yeah. It's not a reveal. It's just like, oh, yeah, Palpatine's in the movie. Five minutes in, there he is. There's a tank full of Snokes because we just have to bring him back because... <laughs> 
damn it, if we can't have this, you know, this Diet Snoke or Diet Palpatine, we have to have the real Palpatine. Yeah, exactly. We were, Ryan Johnson forced our hand. And he held a gun to our head, and the only thing we we millionaires that were paid lots of money to write the script could do was do Palpatine again. Kind of the way that they do Snoke and Rise of Skywalker reminds me a whole bunch of like getting broken up with, and you're like mad because like wait no I wanted to break up with them, so it's like well we <laughs> wanted to treat that Snoke really doesn't fucking matter, but in Last Jedi you know Snoke doesn't matter, so they fucking kill him. So Rise of Skywalker is like well no he didn't matter, but for some other completely stupid reason <laughs> he didn't matter, but he did matter. <laughs> Can you but imagine the- like Avengers Endgame if they're on like Thanos's ship and you just saw some vat with like. Malekith from Thor the Dark World <laughs> and they're like Thanos created that sub part Literally of all of the villains there's like Obadiah Stane <laughs> oh no that would still make that would still somehow make Thor the Dark Floating World more gooey. interesting <laughs> Obadiah Stane in a tank yes a naked Jeff Bridges mm, in Jeff tank. Bridges <laughs> gooey Jeff Bridges mm, yes mm, mm. yes uh, I don't I, I, it's kind of, I don't know, it's it's a weird thing to talk about Rise of Skywalker because it's like, on one hand, there's so much to say about it, mm-hmm. and on the other hand, much like the film itself, there's so much to say, but ultimately, what is there to say? Yeah. It's um, like, we can, you can, I can yell until I'm blue in the face about how much I didn't like this movie and about how much I think this film fails on, like, a fundamental level, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, to what avail? It's sort of like, anyone who knows it is like, yeah, dude, it sucks. Uh, and then it just kind of feels like beating a dead horse. But then, you know, you have people who have somehow convinced themselves that this is the best Star Wars movie of all time because I'm not owned. Are, are there people that say that? Yes. Oh, gross. Yeah, they're really gross. There's a lot of people. I mean, like, one of my coworkers uh, who has decided that he is going to fight me uh, because he hasn't heard my opinion on Star Wars, but he knew I was going to hate it somehow, which is wild because I don't think I've hated any Star Wars that's, movie. That's kind of always been like my fear of like of advertising that I know stuff about movies at work. Yeah, and knowing stuff like uh, I, I remember uh, there was a family get together like years and years ago, and uh, we watched Ted. And it was like, you know what, like, it wound up being better than I thought it was going to be, but, like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, like, bef- like at the end of the movie, like, my cousin, like, walks up to me and he's like, so, what did you think? And it was like, oh, God, he values my opinion way too much on this. Oh, like, yeah. Well, that's Like, what... I hated, like, oh, God, if, uh, don't, don't let me be that. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, that's one of the things that I kind of got tired of on tw- on uh, Facebook was that I would have the gall to, you know, state my opinion on a movie and then people were like, I'm going to fight them. <laughs> <laughs> like they all yeah. automatically, I became a Colossus and they're like, I'm going to be that weird boy on a horse and I'm going to take gonna him down. I'm going to stab him in the knee, yeah. just, you fucker. <laughs> I'm going to ride his hair and then stab him in his back. <laughs> What'd you fucking do? Nothing. I'm going to kick your ass. Yeah, exactly. I had the gall to say like, hey, I thought this movie was good. And people were like, I'll have you know. <laughs> It is I'll, not I'll good. murder you and your weights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll murder you and hang your head over my mantelpiece. Little did I know that when I stated my opinion on idiocracy, I was secretly walking through a mist veil like they do on Dark Souls, and I had a, a boss waiting for me. Uh, you said mist veil, and I immediately just thought of, like, WWE entrances. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, that's that's pretty good, actually. I'd be, I'd be fine with uh, that. Yeah, but, like, I, I've always been kind of afraid of, like... 
people seeing me as that guy whose like opinion of movies invalidates other people's opinions. And that's like, kind of well, that, like that's kind of how people took when I talked about it, and it was really exhausting. It was like, guys, I just I had to finally yeah. tell people like I am not the end all be all of film going. Like I, you can have a different opinion than me. Yeah. You're allowed to have a different opinion. You're allowed to disagree with me. Like, I, th- I think people that think this is the best Star Wars movie is that's kind of gross and I don't like it. But you are free to have that opinion. You're free to have that. opinion. And I'm dumb and stupid. Don't listen to me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> stop the podcast now. It has gotten to the point now where I'm just like, if it even smells like we're going to talk about Star Wars, I'm going to find a way to divert the subject into something else. Yeah, because I yeah. just don't. And I mean it when I say this, like. Fucking hell, I just, I would be fine if I just never talked with Star Wars, talked about Star Wars with most people ever again. Just because Star Wars has become this weird social barometer now, Mm. where it's kind of like as soon as you say, hey, I watched a Star Wars movie, right off the bat, you're going to have like this weird question mark over your head, and whatever you say is going to determine what people think of you in like this weird tribalistic way. Mm. And... When the fuck did Star Wars become about that? Like, that's exhausting Probably to me. Probably the prequels. Probably, uh, I... A mm, little bit eh. the prequels, a little bit the sequel trilogy. Well, I mean, like, I think that with the prequels, I think it was kind of widely regarded as people were like, yeah, they're not very good. Uh, and with Force Awakens, I don't think I heard anyone say they actually hated it. Most people were like, I love it. And then yeah. people who didn't like it were like, and it's fine. And then even then people were like, oh, sorry about that. Last Jedi is where it absolutely became, like, this weird tribalistic thing. Well... My argument for the prequels is that that's when I think people got angry about Star Wars. Okay, that's fair. Like, that's where, like... That's when the emotions the, got The emotions high, got higher. Whether it was positive or negative. Yeah. But the emotions that's got higher. That's where it, it became... Well, that's where you drove people like Jake Lloyd, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and all these people. What's the name of the actor that played Jar Jar? Ahmed Best. Yes, those yeah. two. And... Yeah. It just, that's where that started, that very tribalistic, like, fuck you, you ruined this thing even though you're nine years old. Yeah. God, like, these Star Wars movies that are focused on, like, Senate hearings and stuff somehow became politicized, you know. Remember before, (laughs) and it's like poetry, it rhymes. You mean this series that was entirely initially an allegory for the Vietnam War wasn't political? Oh my god, get politics out of my thing. You think RoboCop's political? Fuck you. (laughs) <laughs> when did Watchmen get so political? I just read the Spark Notes. <laughs> I just, really like I just read the nudie scenes. <laughs> I just watched them. I, that's one of my favorite improvements in the movie is that there were lots of hard-rocking tits <laughs> in the movie. Thanks, Zack Snyder. <laughs> Thanks, Daddy Snyder. Oh, gross. Hallelujah. Someone out there definitely thinks that. It's, oh, there's probably more than one. <laughs> yeah, more than likely. But it's just it's just so exhausting, and it's just... I think the internet uh, happened, and that's really what it was. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Yeah. The internet. That's I think fair. when you take something that's so such a uh, uh, pinnacle of pop culture in the internet, you throw it in there. Yeah. Um, can you imagine World War II if the internet was a thing? <laughs> you mean like the pinnacle? Hitler would have just quit. <laughs> you, you mean like all you of mean, us would have just been like 
fuck you, Hitler. You mean like, like, I don't like this. You mean like the bread and butter of college humor's we early days? We would have canceled Hitler, like, before anything bad had really happened. Where they created, like, email threads about what if World War II was real and it's just people responding to each other. Hitler would have been, we would have, he would have, like, posted some of his art and people would have been like, fuck this guy. And then, he would have, shit. then he would have like jumped into a river, and then World War Two would not have happened. Yeah, that's, yeah, and millions of people would still be alive. But if World War Two didn't happen, then Star Wars wouldn't exist. <laughs> exactly. I gotta have my wow. millions of people what a, dead. What a Sophie's choice. I gotta have my millions of people dead so I can enjoy this movie. Oh no! That I can yell at people about over the internet. Oh no! This took a weird turn. It's oh no! <laughs> um, but I don't know. Like it's. I, I I think the Speaking only... Speaking of irredeemable people who killed a lot of uh, people, Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Nazis, space Nazis. Speaking of unkillable things, uh, this movie pulls out four or five fake deaths, yeah. Yeah. which is unforgivable, four. much like Kylo Ren. <laughs> much like Kylo Ren, is, he's irredeemable. <laughs> But guys, he said "ow" when he hit a rock, and then he his one line in the he, third act. And then he wears a, a like a goth Christmas sweater, and then <laughs> kills all his friends. It's that's his, it. it. Says "ho ho ho" and Jabba the Hutt's on it. <laughs> he kills all his friends for a girl. All his all his super developed cool friends that he really hung out with. They just stood around and watched his helmet get repaired. That's so. They're cool. like, "Wow, fuck, that's awesome." I think my favorite thing about Rise of Skywalker is just how dumb with the franchise, like John Boyega and Oscar Isaac, have kind of. Become. Oh my god, absolutely! John absolutely. Boyega's stuff was amazing. Like, I don't know if he was just like New Year's Eve drunk and just tweeting up a storm, or if he was just like, "Fuck, we're doing this!" Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've been less crazy about his sort of throwing some people under the bus, but I have enjoyed his, like, I'm done with this franchise. Yeah, there's, like, some stuff where I'm like, you didn't think of a lot when you said that. Like, the whole, yeah. like, laying the pipe with Ray. I'm like, what are you trying to say there, buddy? Sure, buddy. And, but I've enjoyed uh, Oscar Isaacs, like, yeah. you know, when that interview where they're like, so would you consider coming back as Poe Dameron in, like, a Disney Plus series? And he just says, nope. Nope. <laughs> and did you see the thing where it's the um, Please Mr. Kennedy scene? From uh, inside Lewin Davis, but they Photoshop JJ's face on Justin Timberlake. Oh my god! And like, so you have Lewin Davis. He's like, like who wrote this? And this JJ. He's like, I did. <laughs> it's just like, like static shot of of Lewin going, huh? And then cut to Adam Driver. <laughs> perfect. Oh, that's that is that is meme go, perfection. Go watch Inside Lewin Davis. Go it's watch crazy. Inside Lewin Davis. It's a much better movie, and also. There's Star Wars people in there giving fabulous performances. Yes. Now that those people don't do a good job in this, they're doing... The, Adam Driver is like... That man shouldn't have a back anymore from basically carrying this entire se- oh, series. Oh, yeah. yeah. But also, like, you know, Oscar Isaac is still being charming and whatnot. Yeah, like, everyone's movies. charming. Like, yeah. it, it's a movie that is saved by its cast. Yeah. yeah. You know, versus, say, like, the prequels where the script's bad and the, the direction was bad and the acting overall was pretty bad. So it's all bad. <laughs> well, it's like I always tell people whenever they talk about watching the prequels and they're like, yeah, Sam Jackson's in it. And I'm always like, yeah, have you ever seen Sam Jackson physically struggle with his lines? Sam then Jackson. Watch, then act- watch The Phantom Menace. Sam Jackson acts better and more emotionally in his little cameo in The Exorcist 3, where he's overdubbed by someone else. Yes. (laughs) This is so weird. Party. Like, what does he say? This party's over? 
Is that what he says in Attack of the Clones? Uh, the show's over. Something like that. I forget what he fucking says. Either way, it was dumb. It was dumb. <laughs> then he it was murdered. Dumb. It's, it was dumb you, it. it's just been revoked. No. <laughs> no. That's good. <laughs> this one's not. <laughs> How dare you? That's too good for Attack of the Clones. <laughs> How dare. Um... I don't know. I man. also just want to shout out Kelly Marie Tran. I'm sorry you got done dirty because yeah. you're great in The Last Jedi. And, yeah. Uh, you helped illustrate some of the better themes of that movie and fuck people that harassed you. Yeah. And I'm sorry that you had to go on a fucking press tour to promote the sequel to the movie. Um, knowing that you were barely in it. Knowing that you're one, that you're barely in it, and that it's kind of... You know, kowtowing to a lot of the people that harassed you, a lot of yeah. that mentality. Yeah. So kudos to her. I hope they do something with her. I know the director of Crazy Rich Asians was like, hey, Disney, give me money and I'll make a Rose Tycho show. Yeah. I'll yeah. fucking do it. And I want to see that show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and... I think that would be awesome. I hope she shows up in Ryan Johnson stuff in the future because I know he is a big fan of her oh, yeah. after working with her. So oh, I yeah. hope she's in the next, I don't know, uh, a Benoit, Benoit block, series. block two. Knives in. Knives, <laughs> knives over there. Kn- knives rush in. Knives chow. <laughs> Kn- knives chow. Knives ahoy. Knives chow. <laughs> Knives Ahoy. Knives Ahoy. It's not a cruise ship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you imagine Benoit Blanc being seasick? <laughs> Listen, I want this. Then ben, Benoit Blanc does a memoir that might be false, and it's called Million Little Knives. <laughs> um, I hate it. <laughs> go see Knives Out. It's a good movie. Ryan yeah. Johnson's a great filmmaker. Oh, yeah. he's. I still argue that he's the best director to ever work on a Star Wars movie. Yeah, probably. Eat, eat shit haters. Yeah, um, But, yeah, um... It's, There's all kinds of stuff that we could get into. Like we we bitch and moan about like just a lot of like the you know the the lore and like just the weird uh, creative decisions. Did it bother anybody else that like that it just really became episode six with a shinier coat of paint? No, that's what I feared it was going to be. I was. mean, I still argue that I wish it was more like that because that movie has pacing. Yeah, <laughs> and this movie yeah. does not. It feels like again, but, like, it, it, but, it, but it extra frustrates me because that's like I felt Force Awakens was it paid too much homage to Episode Four, mm-hmm. and then Last Jedi was different ish. Maybe borrowed some things from Empire, but like there's visual stuff it takes from it, but other but it rearranges it in a different order. Yeah. But then this one is basically episode. To me, at least, it felt very. The last episode act six. is definitely episode like the, six. The, it felt like the second half. Not second half. Like the second half of it was basically Revenge of the uh, yeah, yeah uh, Return, Return of the Jedi. Of the Jedi. Sorry, Return of the Jedi. And and then it just kind of frustrated me. It was like God, if J.J. Abrams did episode eight, like you know that would have just been Empire Strikes Back, like you know. Part two, yeah. Part duh. Well, it's um, like um, <laughs> part two, part eight, part two, part eight, part two. <laughs> it's, um, it, I don't, I don't know. I, I still. I mean, that's me. And look, I'm not, I'm not the huge Star Wars. I will person, definitely I'm say that. Oversimplifying. I will it. definitely say that. Yes, the second half feels a lot like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it here's how I would explain it. I feel like if we were to make episode. Um, 
episode seven and episode nine, like they're people and they're basing their identities based on a movie. Mm-hmm. Like their their respective Star Wars films that they're kinda aping from. I feel like Force Awakens at least watched a New Hope. <laughs> I feel like Rise of Skywalker saw clips on YouTube mm-hmm. and was like, those are the cool scenes. I'm going to be dead. And mm-hmm. that's what it did. Except it skipped the Jabba Palace scenes, which are the best part. Yeah. And I don't know why, because yeah. it's dumb. <laughs> like, again, really, I just wish that it just, I don't know. It. it that's the nice thing about uh, Return of the Jedi, which obviously is... I would argue is the most flawed of the original trilogy. Um, but it still is, it, it keeps it simple enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, we, we got to save Han. We, we save, save Han. Han. Okay. We got to beat the empire. We're going to beat the empire. We go to the mood of Endor. It's got this fucking thing on the moon that protects the death star. We have to destroy it mm-hmm. and they get to the death star, and blow it up. Yeah. And then you have three different things going on. You've got, Luke's tier with Vader, you've got Leia Han's tier, and you've got Lando and and um, and uh, Nyan Yub <laughs> yeah. saving the day. Which, by the way, I rewatched the fucking Falcon shit in Return of the Jedi, and it's amazing. Yeah, and I missed that shit because um, in here it just feels like uh, it, I don't know the what I like about something like the Last Jedi is that. Um, Brian Johnson was kind of conservative with a lot of the the space stuff. Like mm-hmm. the, the there's not really a dog fight. There's the bomber run, yeah, which is very like deliberate and kind of slow. Low to the ground too, right? Well, oh, no, the, oh sorry, bomber fight, bomber fight, right sorry, in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. And it's not just like blah, 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 and it doesn't feel overly CG. Right. And it kind of takes you out of it. Um, and there's like practical stuff in there mm. versus this one where you have. The climactic fight, you know, the equivalent to Lando and company take and Wedge and them taking out the Death Star and uh, Return of the Jedi. Um, here it's just there's a million fucking star, uh, star destroyers. We're just gonna fly around, yeah. and there's no geography, and it sucks. It just breaks a lot of that, just a lot of basic cinematography, direction, and yeah. just storytelling. It's just lazy. Yeah. Um, and I guess this is to kind of wrap it up. We we were, I guess you could say, gifted the whole news about the the release of the J.J. Abrams cut and the whole rumors that there's this fucking cut of Rise of Skywalker. That release is, the unrated extended cut, you coward! <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want my special edition. Make more DVD. money on DVD, you <laughs> bitch! <laughs> you turd. <laughs> and. So there's all these rumors now. It's like, well, there's all these things that Disney made him do, and he's been, he's he's just as much a victim as everyone else. And it's just like, no, he's not. No, Kelly Marie Tran is the biggest victim, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm sure Disney meddled in some in right. in ways because they're Disney. <laughs> yeah. Um, and but a lot of the things that they say were cut or changed or whatever from what JJ wanted to do, which by the way, his cut was going to be three fucking hours. No, thanks. No, no, thanks. I'm good. Um, if you have to make your, your final movie that long and it's not something like return of the King or mm-hmm. end game where you're building off of lots of character stuff that's built over years or so. Well, lots of like character arcs stuff right. that needs to be paid off. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're going to tell a three-hour story that still ends with, like, Poe Dameron basically admitting defeat before Lando proves to be the better leader the whole time. Right. Like, it's not great. It's it's not great, Bob. It's not Not great, great, Bob. Bob. Not great, Poe. Not great, (laughs) Poe. Jesus Christ. Um, But, yeah, that's, that's, that's more or less... Skywalker, it's just... I, I, I think the, a lot of stuff is just like, oh, it's like aesthetic stuff, or it's like, it's more fan service. Yeah. Like, oh, there's going to be Force Ghosts in the Palpatine fight, which we haven't really touched on because it's just such a non-factor. Yeah. You know? We it's, haven't even touched on the ending and how it doesn't make sense, really. Like, why would... So, so the movie ends, spoilers, because we've already said that an hour ago, but mm-hmm. Ray Barry's... Um, Luke and Leia's, because Leia had a secret lightsaber hidden in the wall of uh, Luke's hermit hut for some fucking reason. And how did you describe it, Neil? The little bit that we we revealed that Leia was going to do, was doing force training. Uh, I sent you guys a text uh, the night that I saw it with my girlfriend Mm -hmm. saying uh, something along the lines of, quote, fellas, there is a reveal in here that puts the butler scene from Spider-Man 3 to fucking shame. Yep. Yep. And and, what's the, and and that scene is revealing that Leia was getting Jedi training and was far along, like, far along in it, and she also had a lightsaber, and it's just like, you just decided to pull that out here, didn't you? Yep. And then, because fan service, we have to, like, Ray thinks, oh, it's cool, I'm gonna bury these on the the on Tatooine on Tatooine at the it's not Skywalker uh, homestead it's, but it's, it's the large farm it's, it's farm. a farm from your the first grandfather movie. died by his own hand <laughs> when <laughs> your father or <laughs> when your like uncle person but threw it's the, him down a pit <laughs> <laughs> and so. And I like how people pointed out that it's really dumb and it's so forced just to have. I don't even care about Ray taking the the Skywalker name. Mm. It's it's whatever. Yeah. I don't fucking care at this point. Right. It's more just the fact that we're all oh, we gotta have her look at the two setting suns. Right. Because yeah. it's poetry and it rhymes. <laughs> whatever. And the the way they do that is just they can't just have. I guess well, one Ray's never been to Tatooine. She's never been to Tatooine. How did she know how to get there? Well, I don't even know that. She, that it's not even that. It's like what significance is this? Well, someone pointed out that it's like why. Would why would this be a great ending for Luke and Leia? Luke wanted nothing more than I was going to get to that. Oh, yeah. sorry, Luke. But Luke wanted nothing more than to get to fuck away from Tatooine. And Leia's only real Leia's from um, Alderaan. 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 Yeah. Leia's from Alderaan. She's not a Skywalker. She's a she's a uh, Organa. Organa. Right. So whatever. Uh, but also uh, Leia's only real memories of Tatooine are her being a sex slave to Jabba the Hutt. Yep. So, uh... I forgot that was on Tatooine. Yeah, I, yeah, it's like, that's really... Jabba the Hutt is, like, the Tatooine Tony Soprano. Yeah, right? pretty much. Yeah. That's uh, why you saw him at the pod race. Yeah. 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 Oh. Because he has to be there. Um, he has to be there. He has to be there. Well, it, uh, well I forgot that was Tatooine. A lot of people... And, and I think people countered this whole, like, like notion of this ending with, um, like... Like I don't know what the significance is gonna is supposed to be. If you're trying to show Ray's growth as a character, you wouldn't do it on Tatooine. You'd do it on Jakku. Yeah. Go yeah. back to her little like ad at that she lived in, and she kind of you know 
reminisces or mm-hmm. thinks back on where she started. Yeah. You know, and how much she's grown. Someone compared it to the scene in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows where he goes back to the Dursley's house, Harry Potter, and he sees the little cupboard under the stairs yeah. where we first see him in the first mm-hmm. book and movie. And it's such a kind of nice little moment. Yeah, it's a very poignant growth, right? It's a very poignant moment, yeah. And it's great. Ray doesn't get that. She's just... And her whole arc now, one, it's tied to just a bunch of dudes. She has, like, really no agency as an individual. Yeah. So that sucks. Yeah. Um, Because her whole character arc in this movie is about, like, realizing that she's related to a villain and that she wants to save a dude. And one of the things that really is shitty about the Rose omission, to me, is that without her, like, Rose tagging along, which... I think as at the writing stage would be a pretty easy thing to include. Yeah. You know, you, she's an engineer. You can have her be the engineer of the Falcon instead of some weird talking slug monster that just shows up in a couple shots. It's just there for a laugh. It's there for a laugh. Yeah. You could have Rose there. It's not hard. Um, and with without Rose and Ray together, basically Ray doesn't talk to any female characters beyond Carrie Fisher scenes in the beginning, yeah. which is just deleted scenes and repurposed footage and she might have a line with Carrie Russell's character but it's not like a scene it's not a conversation Mm. it's just oh we gotta do this thing to get C-3PO's memories and get it's just all exposition it's all exposition so it's not really it doesn't count and that's just kind of shitty and admittedly she doesn't have much in say the previous movie you know Last Jedi in terms of interacting with, with female characters but that is because she's on, you know, she's dealing with Luke. Yeah. You know, so it kind of makes a little bit more sense. Well, it also works because she's going there on, like, a, a journey of self-discovery. Right. She's so learning she, about herself, and she's learning to have agency over her own life. So she doesn't, yeah, yeah. And in that, she's in learned, that she's regard, she that she can't define herself by other people. She has to define herself by herself and her actions and what she wants to achieve. And literally, they were like... Fuck that! You're gonna defi- we're gonna define you by the actions of other people. Yeah. So eat shit. And the so. thing that the thing that bothered me so much about the the coda on Tatooine with her is that she's not fulfilling her own story. She is fulfilling Luke and Leia's story. Yep. There's no reason for her to be there yep. except for like she wasn't like she's close with Luke clearly, but she's not so close that she's like I have to continue his legacy. Yep. Why not just be your own woman? Damn it. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. So she's there for other characters. She's not there for herself. Yep. And her taking on the name Skywalker is just, like, whatever. Like, I, I don't find it that's as... That's my ag- least... That's, like, the least of the scene's problems to I, me. Yeah, I don't find it as egregious as some, but I'm still not happy about it. Yeah. Also, because, like, uh, I think it was Jenny Nicholson was talking on Twitter about how she went over to uh, the Star Wars park at, at Disneyland, and the actress playing Ray there, uh, there was a little girl who asked her what her last name was, and she said something along the lines of, like, well, I, I used to be Ray, uh, I don't remember what she said, but now I'm Ray of the Resistance. And it's like... I used to be Ray from, like, nowhere. Ray from Ray nowhere, and now I'm Ray from Ray of the, of, of the Resistance. And, like... That's that ad lib is yeah. better than what they actually end up doing. Like that has more self actualization. That has more character growth mm-hmm. yeah. than what they actually ended up doing, and that's fucking frustrating. Yeah. It sucks so much. So uh, I don't know. Like it's it's kind of weird to like. 
I feel like we've said so much and so little about Rise of Skywalker because it's like it's much like, it's like the film itself. Neil at <laughs> Shut up! It's much like the film itself. It, there's so much going on and yet so little actually happens. And it's so frustrating. So like a, little, like, uh, satisfying character growth. Really. Yeah. Like, and, like I, I, I know we have, like, other topics that we want to get to. And I do want to say this before we move on to more positive lights, uh, more positive topics. Uh, C-3PO is the MVP of this movie. <laughs> he is, yes. Uh, they also still miss out on an entire opportunity with him. Mm-hmm. With him getting his his memory wiped and whatnot. Oh yeah, he's one of the many fake out deaths. Yeah, quote unquote deaths. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That that was a lot of like pointless little conflict and tension. Like, oh no, he won't be the same anymore. Oh, and they put it in the fucking trailer just to like get you all weepy eyed. Yeah, yeah. But like, I, I think C three PO's humor was like really effective in this movie. It like, was actual humor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I feel like there's so much we could say. and uh, just like I, I wanted like... to say something positive about the movie because uh-huh. there was definitely... I think when it got to the point where uh, Ray and Kylo were uh, pulling the ship uh, with the Force, I, th- I think that's when I was just like, okay, like, I'm just going to start laughing at this movie now. <laughs> like, this is, I can't enjoy this movie ironic or unironically anymore. Like, I'm just going to try to have my own fun... Because I, I was pretty numb for, yeah. like, the first half of the movie. Or How many times did I roll my eyes toward in your direction, like, yeah. Steven? Yeah. Are we really going with this? Are we re- is this really fucking happening? I, I think the second... I think the most... I'm trying to remember when I eye rolled the most. Mm. Um, I think there was the Palpatine reveal where Kyle was like, your, your Palpatine's your grandfather. And then um, the whole... Fucking! This is a Jedi's weapon. You treat it with respect, or whatever mm. the fuck Luke says. Yeah, Luke's ghost, who feels like a completely different character yeah. than Last Jedi. Um, but Luke's Force Ghost me. feels like a like a self insert like fan fiction author character, like someone who's like a huge Star Wars fan wrote themselves into that role. Yeah, it feels like all those parodies. Feels like all those those parody scripts uh, that people wrote after Last Jedi came out when everyone bitched about Luke in that movie, Mm -hmm. and everyone and people came out with scripts that parodied that whole notion. Yeah, that's what this feels like. Yeah, and then of course, again, they have stuff for Luke to do when his fucking arc was done in Last Jedi. We have to have him. Raise up the X-Wing out of the fucking water and be like, oh, I've those- never seen him do that before. This, is this implied to be the first time he's done it? And he's got to be a fucking Force ghost? Is that really better? Is that really better? All those red herrings in Last Jedi. Fuck you. There's something now. Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah. I hate it. I don't know. I think the most positive thing I can say about the movie is that it ended. I think, okay, if there's one sequence I I uh, genuinely enjoyed, that I was surprised I enjoyed, was the scene between Kylo and Han Solo. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good scene. It's a pretty good scene, because it slows down, yeah. it takes its time, and it's a character moment. Yeah. I'd like know? it more if it wasn't preceded by, like, two hours of bullshit. Right. But, you know. And obviously... I think there was rumblings that it was supposed to be Leia that's doing it instead yeah. of Han Solo. Oh, sure. yeah. So they probably got Harrison Ford to come back because they're like, look, Carrie died. The only the and only reason I can think of, other than 
Disney gave Han so- or gave Harrison Ford literally a billion dollars for that role is basically like we wanted Carrie Fisher to do this, but she can't anymore. And yeah. Harrison Ford said, "Fine, I'll do it for Carrie." Yeah, and a, and a large sum of money, but yeah. you know, I'll do it for Carrie. Yeah, he didn't even shave. <laughs> Like, he's got that five o'clock old the, man shadow. The, the fight, but I, I, I kind of enjoyed the the fight between Kylo and Ray, where they were fighting in two different locations. Oh, that was cool! And like, like that was Kylo's quarters. Like yeah. that's interesting. I, I thought yeah. that was pretty interesting. Yeah, um, and I do, I do think that the, the one action scene I enjoyed was when Kylo and Ray fight on the the water, ocean. the water on the ocean, mm-hmm. ar- surrounded by or near the. Uh, de- uh, Death Star wreckage. Right. Because yeah. it felt, like, really deliberate. It wasn't overly flashy. It was mm-hmm. chaotic. There was intensity to it and emotion to it. And I enjoyed it. And then it ended. And I went back to not enjoying myself. And, man, there's just so many things we could talk about. But, like, we could talk about, um, is it, uh, what's what's her name? The Now we know she's Lando's daughter. I don't even know Jonna. her name. Jonna, okay, Jonna. Jonna, Jonna. I want more of her. She got the shaft too. There was a big to do because she's like she's the first, you know, black woman in Star Wars, really. Yeah. And it's like she didn't get to do shit. They implied some stuff with her and Finn and their whole backstories as they were both stormtroopers. Did you, did you say really because of Lupita Nyong'o? Well, she's yeah, Ma- Maz Kanata. Like, well, yeah, because like, it's, really. it's a black person playing a you know not having to wear makeup right, or be right, a CG right. character yeah, other yeah. than Mace Windu and Finn, you know, Lando and Lando. It's a woman. Yeah. <laughs> it's the first female person, that, yeah, female woman of color that got to do that, yeah. um, or black woman, obviously Rose. That's why Rose is significant is that right. she's the first woman of color to, to lead a Star Wars movie, and um, yeah. So, and she got, and both of them got the shaft because fuck everything. Yeah. And they had, if they were included, the movie would have been much, if they were included more, um, movie would have probably been more interesting. Yeah. Um, there's lots of stuff that Rose also pre- uh, presents the possibility that she might not actually be the daughter or granddaughter of an existing legacy character because yeah, so there were that. no Asian characters before her. <laughs> well, if they were, they were, there were horrible racist stereotypes around the Trade Federation. Mm. <laughs> Let's not forget that. That's true. How can I? A lot of weird racist stuff in the prequels. Yeah. So. So. Uh, I don't know. It, it's... Hey, 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 guys. We already said what we think. Yeah. Let's talk about The Mandalorian. All right. Because Mandalorian's great. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to end that fucking yeah. shit. We're going to talk right. about good stuff. That's fair. Mandalorian. <laughs> the Mandalorian is great. Yep. <laughs> um, Solid. All the way through. It's all, it's all the way through. Uh, Mandalorian is the first live-action Star Wars TV show. It is one of the premier things on Disney+. Plus. It's, it's their flagship their show. Their flagship yeah. show. Um, so it's got that Disney money. It's their Disney house money. of cards. It's, um, it's, yeah, I guess you could say it's their house of cards. Um, the well, high school musical show is their oranges to new black. <laughs> God damn it. Um, I just hope no one on the Mandalorian is revealed to be a pedophile. Hopefully not Pedro Pascal. Cause he is great. No, no, thank God. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's, but if he does turn out to be one, then it's a pretty easy nickname. They could just call him Pedo. Sorry, Pedro. <laughs> I hope you're not a pedophile. <laughs> you're lovely, Pedro Pascal. You're lovely. 
I'm sorry, that was really Your good. Your gleaming light in the darkness, Pedro. I love you, Pedro. Pedro! Pedro! Vote for Pedro. Oh, God. Um, anyway, uh, so... Mandalorian follows a Mandalorian. For those who don't know, the Mandalorians are... Boba Fett. Well, they're... I was going to say they're a tribe of people. Bounty hunters. Bounty... Well, they're like... Mostly bounty hunters? Well, let me finish. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Steven. I am kind of the Star Wars expert here, guys. Why don't you <laughs> fucking you talk, Steven? You tell me your shit, and I'll tell you when you're wrong. <laughs> Steven, right now, you are like one of those speed bumps... But you're not like one of the big ones. You're like the little ones that are like gradual. And when you go over them, they go like. Mandalorian in this show is not Boba Fett or like Boba Fett because he doesn't suck. So there we <laughs> or go. Django. Or Django, who no, Django also kind of cool. sucked. He was cool. He was until, cool for a scene until and then, he sucked. And then you realize he like just fucking. He could have just killed Padme, and instead he's like, "You go do this shit." And then the person, the like changeling lady that he hires to go kill Padme is like, you know what? This is dumb. I'm going to have fucking centipedes do this. Yeah. <laughs> and it's stupid. Attack of the Clone sucks. Yeah, man. Attack of the Clone <laughs> terrible. Fucking balls. Um, anyway, so a Mandalorian, you know, as, as Steven said, same uh, tribe of people. They're not even like a... like I don't even know how to describe them. It's like a religion. Almost. Yeah, the- They're, think of them almost as like space Norsemen. Almost. Because there's a lot of that whole... In this show, they they imbue a lot of that kind of iconography mm-hmm. because we are introduced to like a, a blacksmith Mandalorian, mm-hmm. and she has those kind of helmets that ev- and like furs that evokes a lot of Norse mm-hmm. uh, armor and stuff. But basically, this feels like an apology letter for how they, <laughs> they handled Boba Fett and like, no guys, Mandalorians are cool. We swear. <laughs> Because yeah. they got rid of the extended universe or whatever, or the expanded yeah. universe, which has a lot of more, like, Boba Fett's actually cool. He got out of the Sarlacc pit and shit and did stuff. Um, and so this is Disney saying, like, well, we should probably have a Mandalorian that doesn't suck either. So they c- created this show, which is a super tight eight-episode series that follows a um, uh, bounty hunter Mandalorian and how he gets a a job from kind of the remnants of the Empire that takes place in between the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. Um, So there's actually a lot of fun world building going on and kind of little hints at the greater societal effects of uh, the events of Return of the Jedi and stuff. And basically, he goes and does this, and he discovers that the target that he's supposed to kill is what the Internet and the world has declared... Baby Yoda. Yep. Um, Which, if, if you ever want to find someone on Twitter who's like, actually, he's not named Baby Yoda. He's referred to as the child. Um, it's a good barometer to not be friends with those people. <laughs> Thanks, Ben Shapiro. Yeah, Which exactly. also, one, one little aside about Rise of Skywalker. Ben Shapiro likes Rise of Skywalker, and Ben Shapiro sucks. So, just do you, saying. Do you want to be like Do ben you want to be like Ben Shapiro? I wouldn't. Don't like the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> if you do... If you do Fine, but just know you agree on something with Ben Shapiro. Just, just let, just let that sink in. Okay. Anyway, back to the Mandalorian. Um, and I, don't, I mean, we're not going to go episode by episode. Obviously, we're just going to talk about um, stuff we like. Um, and I think uh, 
some of the best qualities of this show is one, it takes its fucking time. Yes. It's kind of everything that Rise of Skywalker isn't to me. Uh, I will say I'm grateful that the season finale of uh, The Mandalorian came out mm-hmm. the week after Rise of Skywalker. Yes. So it was like a palate cleanser to me. Absolutely. Um, and it takes its time. It's it's willing to be quiet for yeah. more than 10 seconds. It's quiet. There's whole scenes and sequences where no one talks you know, oh yeah, like great. the second episode, like half of it is completely like wordless. Yeah, cause, well, because it's just like Jawas. It's him and Jawas, and they're yeah. just speaking it's just, their language. It's just the Mandalorian doing things, and yeah. it's like, oh, this is refreshing. And like most of what's on screen is just him, Jawas, and the child, Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda doesn't talk because it's baby. So, and there's a, a mudhorn, which is a giant space rhinoceros yeah. that doesn't talk. So yeah, there's just a lot of. A lot of visual storytelling. We should also mention that this is all helmed by one John Favreau, mm-hmm. and he did a bang-up job, and I would not be opposed to him kind of, you know, captaining the ship of Star Wars going forward. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of great talent that they have, both behind and in front of the camera here. We've got uh, Dave Filoni, who is uh, a veteran of Star Wars. Uh, he's worked on all the animated stuff. From Clone Wars to Rebels, Christopher Yost is uh, Christopher Yost from Marvel yeah. is a executive like he's a consultant I think yeah um, a lot of great directors Deborah Chow uh, Taika Waititi yeah. Bryce Dallas Howard um, Rick Framuia he's the guy that did uh, Dope right yeah yeah guy yeah uh, so you got a lot a lot of uh, people of color getting represented here mm. from. Uh, you know, characters on screen to people behind the camera. It's great. Women directors, black directors, Asian directors. It's great. Um, I mean, I would argue that my favorite episodes were directed by Rick Famuia. Yeah. Um, which which ones were those again? He did. Uh, he did the 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 one with the Jawas and the Mudhorns, and he did yeah, the two, one, and, and then he did uh, episode six, the one with uh, the one that heavily implies the existence of Space Boston. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, because it features Bill Burr, and he's just Bill Burr with guns. Yep. Um, I also love how this this show just has comedians and has, like, comedic actors in it. Mm-hmm. Horatio Sands, Amy Sedaris, uh, Bill, Bill Burr, Burr um, Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi, yeah. um, I'm trying to think who else. Um, uh, Jason Sudeikis. And, and Adam Pally. Yeah, Adam uh, Pally. Yeah. Ad, yeah, Adam Pally, and then... Um, uh, Richard Ayoade. Yes. Uh, Werner Herzog. Hey, man, Werner Herzog is funny when he wants to be. He's great. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see the baby. <laughs> In that moment, me Werner Herzog I... was the internet. Yep. <laughs> me when I come to a party and I hear there's a cat there. I'm just saying, it's I reported like that it's Werner Herzog who was like, the baby must be practical. I will not do it if he is CG. He must be a puppet. Yeah. Like, so he championed that, and nice. he was right to do so. He was absolutely right. Um, this is a, sh- this is a, uh, it's still a TV show, so it's, it has great visual effects for a TV show. There's still times where it's like, oh, you know, it's still not up to the scale of, like, the actual movies, mm. but it's still really good because they use it pretty sparingly. Yes. Uh, also, Gina but- Imagine, shout out to Gina It was like Carano. Firefly levels of like special effects. Where like Firefly didn't use a lot. Yeah. So like the times that it did, it was like enough. Also, know? shout out to Gina Carano. Probably her, my favorite role she's ever done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She actually got to do some acting and it's great. Mm. 
I like Gina Carano. Yeah, wish, she needs to she do got, more stuff. I wish she got a bigger break. Well, because I like her in Deadpool, but I'm also like, I wish she talked. Yeah. Like, I guess that's kind of the thing, but it also feels like, mm. why is she saying anything? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, she's really good in this. Probably the best work she's done. She had to, she had, in the finale, she had to do some, like, kind of, like, actual emotional acting stuff, and mm-hmm. that was good. So, kudos to her. Yeah. Um, and Giancarlo Esposito... As establishes her as her villain, so he's space spring. So fuck yes, <laughs> um, and just I don't know. There's a whole lot of other stuff that's just great. What Neil? What did you like about the Mandalorian? Just little things, anything. Um, I like that they brought the cinematographer of Rogue One in okay. to shoot a handful of episodes, mm. uh, which definitely fe- adds to that like tactile feel of the yeah. visuals. The best thing that I think, like one of the best things that I love about the Mandalorian is that it feels like worn in yes like the original trilogy does yes mm-hmm. which is something that feels kind of like lost in some of the sequels in the sequel trilogy a little and the bit. prequels too oh the prequels unquestionably yeah. everything is clean and shiny like a fucking Mac product yeah um but like the Mandalorian like one of the things that I enjoyed about Rogue One was that it, it felt like it, it felt worn in it felt mm-hmm. you know kicked around you know like the original trilogy and it definitely carries over here, and I think bringing that cinematographer with his style definitely helps with that. But also, like, it's shot on fucking anamorphic lenses. It's fucking gorgeous to look at. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> clearly, like, this had Disney money. Yeah. yeah it was yeah. clearly their flagship show. It was clearly, like, we are launching an entire streaming service sort of on the back of this. We need to make this count. And, I mean, like, like if, that's, if, we don't, if we don't stick the landing on this, then that's kind of a big... Then we're basically blemish on the service. Yeah, we're just Hulu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like we might as well just keep Hulu and just put our stuff on Hulu. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. I will say to, to piggyback on your whole point about Rogue One is, I like that the this it lowers the stakes and oh, it yeah. makes things that um, that were kind of ruined and weren't scary. Yeah. Scary again, like threatening again. Oh yeah, um, they like feature droids. droids and adats and, and adats or like a single. What's the what's the big Walker thing? Well, there's the the four legged ones are called adats. Atats. Uh, Atst is a chicken A-T-S-T walker. Atst is the chicken walker. That's the one that's in episode four. And like, it's like there was a single chicken walker. One. Single was, chicken walker. It was like the scariest. Like it was <laughs> tense. Like yeah. the way it's filmed is gorgeous. Like yeah. it's just like two eyes out in the. Out yeah. in the forest is fucking yeah. great, and um, it, I actually kind of got some like annihilation vibes from watching. It that. evokes like the best aspects of Rogue One, like the last act of Rogue One, yes. yeah. where they're just on on foot on the battlefield dealing with the Empire, yeah. and that's awesome. Um, the finale has a lot of that too, where stormtroopers aren't just. It's it's so weird thinking about that scene in Ro- in Rise of Skywalker. They're just mm-hmm. running through shooting first order guys, and then you have this movie or the show where the characters are really adept at weaponry, but they struggle. Like it's yeah. still like that's what I really enjoy about the Mandalorian as a character. I think that they nailed is that they don't make him too badass. He's not well, too... Like, like, yeah, even, like, the Mandalorian, he's able to, like, take down, like, those droids or something in the hallway, but he still takes, like, a few hits, and, like, it's, he's kind of, like... It's like a 30-second sequence yeah. where he fights him in episode six. It's, it kind of reminded me almost like, uh, like the Daredevil hallway. A little bit, Kind of, yeah. like, you know, it's like, oh, wow, like, he, he kind of looks like he's getting tired, like... Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah. 
Um, and they even made those like super uh, droids from the prequels scary yeah. because we learned that he wasn't like born on Mandalore or anything. That's the planet where the Mandalorians helm from. He was actually like basically adopted by them and saved mm-hmm. by them during. I, I'm assuming the Great Purge from like Order sixty six or something. Yeah. From the it, I don't know. If, it's never stated. That's kind of how I read it. But it could be just like the Empire. You know, spreading its influence and taking mm-hmm. out tribes of people, yeah. society and stuff. But I think that'd be kind of interesting to see this big climactic uh, event that shapes a lot of Star Wars from a mm-hmm. much more smaller, more intimate perspective. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have just one droid is chasing him, and it's fucking scary. Mm-hmm. And it's great. <laughs> And I, I did, I, I did, um, when we first watched the finale and we learned this whole backstory and, you know, his parents who die soon after, uh, hiding him in this little, um, cellar thing mm. and, um, he is saved by a Mandalorian and I thought it was Boba Fett for a second. <laughs> like, like just when I thought you couldn't get any dumber, <laughs> you come in here and completely redeem yourself. <laughs> but alas, it was just a regular Mandalore who had nothing to do with Boba Fett, so it was fine. Oh, yeah, because the, Mandalor- the, the timeline of the Mandalorian doesn't, make sense. doesn't allow Boba Fett to be there because yeah. he's fucking dead. Yeah. Well, well not not the not the flashback. Oh, okay, yeah. You could argue that he'd be around. I don't know. That's fair. You, there's probably some fun game where you can be like, oh, like, how do we... So this is like, like if if the Mandalorian is the same age as Pedro Pascal, which is like forty five, yeah, kind of, you know, and taking that as a barometer and being like, how far after um, Return of the Jedi is this? Oh, it's like I don't know, a year, five years, whatever, and use that as a barometer. You could probably get a decent like uh, timeline of stuff, yeah, mm-hmm. which would be kind of interesting because there's all kinds of stuff like that in Star Wars. You know, you have before the Battle of Yavin. Is basically before Christ in, in the, um, is the BC of yeah. of Star Wars, and then you have after the Battle of Yavin. Yeah, um, but yeah, um, Baby Yoda is great. They they use him very. Uh, they're very smart about using him. Yes. Yeah, he's he's cute as fuck, but he doesn't overstay his welcome at all. Yeah. He never gets annoying. He's always cute, mm-hmm. and at times he's fucking amazing. They're very like I think. Uh, I think one of the smartest decisions they ever made with Baby Yoda is that he really he doesn't like make a noise or anything like he no. like he makes some babe like he makes baby, baby noises. noises and stuff like he just but like they, they didn't give him some like weird baby catchphrase or oh, he doesn't some talk. like yeah he, yeah he's not like growing pains you know yeah. <laughs> he's not he's not Michelle from from Full House <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's you got too it. much, man. <laughs> you got it, dude. You got it, dude. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> yeah! That picture of where someone photoshopped Michelle with two guns. <laughs> Just imagining like Baby Yoda with two guns <laughs> It would be amazing. Um, Jesus Christ! But, um, yeah, no, Baby Yoda. The best thing I can say is that they they know when to rein it back. Yes. Like, they don't get so carried away with, like, isn't he fucking cute? Give the fans what they want. More Baby Yoda. No. Well, and, they, and they're, they're also like the smart in Jones. that they don't rely on him being, like... <laughs> A callback to something that hasn't been released yet. Um, they're also smart in that, in the beginning, in the first half of the show, you kind of worry that they're just going to make him the damsel. Like, he's going to be, like, kidnapped a bunch of times, mm-hmm. but it yeah. happens, like, twice. And then, like, one of them is he literally, like, he gives him to Werner Herzog. 
Mm-hmm. Like, he completes his mission, and he takes him back. Mm-hmm. And then you have where the gunslinger guy in episode five takes him, and then, you know, Mando shoots him and then mm-hmm. takes him back. But then it, then you have, like, episode six, where it kind of feels like that's going to happen again, then it doesn't. Yeah. You know? Um, and and they, they imply that Baby Yoda's smarter than... Because he is 50 years old. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, um, Stephen. What are your, some of your favorite things about Mandalorian? Uh, Mandalorian, uh, it it kind of man, like it, it's really just Exhibit A that you know that there is potential in Star Wars beyond like the Skywalkers and Palpatines, and that there is an expansive world worth exploring in there. And it is kind of really refreshing to see something Star Wars related where. You know, it's there's not like lightsabers and telekinesis everywhere. You know, like it yeah. is kind of refreshing to have like a more grounded, like you know, like I'm not the biggest fan of Rogue One, but I really don't disagree with anything that you guys say. Like the the last third of that movie and like the the ATAT scenes are are just they're really well shot, and they got a great director that knew that knows scale and and yeah, like everything they did with the ATST is. It really is. It's like it kind of reminded me of watching like Firefly, but if like Firefly had, you know, some scary droids here and there, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like that's. It was very refreshing to watch like a space western and just to kind of see, stuff like. One of the things that I really appreciate about the Marvel universe, and like you know, you can disagree with me on this, and, and it's. There is definitely like some homogeneity in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like, all of them have, like, a kind of a similar sense of humor, you know, they, they gotta have, like, one funny character in there, mm-hmm. they gotta have one smart character, like, the, like every every Marvel movie now is, like, an ensemble cast of, like, you know, tropes and stuff, and, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, but there's also, like, the, the, the other side of the coin on that is that you have movies like Doctor Strange, which is, like, kind of, you know, inception and the the sequel is going to be like sounds a bit more like a horror movie like they're they're doing different things with it like yeah ant-man like the ant-man movies don't like it, there is kind of like a world threatening kind of plot in or at least like definitely in the first one uh but it doesn't feel like it cuz you know like well a lot of it is literally smaller and yeah a lot of it it's it's just set like like the the the, the freaking set piece on the little Thomas train set, you know, it's like, yeah. it's just so small and it's just kind of refreshing to, to see like creativity and different settings and whatnot. Um, and, and yeah, like I, I think up until the Mandalorian happened, I was really beginning to wonder like if star Wars was just this kind of creatively bankrupt franchise that was just going to keep pulling the same threads over and over again, you know? And, Thankfully, like, no, like, The Mandalorian, like, like I said, it, it's exhibit A that Star Wars can be different and that there's potential, and I'm very curious for what they do going forward, especially, you know, like, I mean, I would love to see John Favreau, like, yeah, become kind of like the Kevin Feige of Star Wars or something, you know, like, um, I loved Taika Waititi's character, oh, and yeah. I, I think the, I think the season finale might have been my favorite episode, which he directed, mm-hmm. um, 
I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I have a thing for self-sacrificing robots. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I would agree. The finale is, I think, is the best episode of the series. Mm. Well, and there's great little, there's great, um, just great uh, payoff for stuff. Yeah. Um, and you have the whole. Um, you start the series. Uh, Mandalorian hates droids. Um, his, uh, yeah, that, his, I, want, I want you to say this because, like, this was your point, and yeah. it's such a really good point. And, right. Um, and you know, in Star Wars, there's always this kind of weird thing: is like, why do people hate droids so much? I want to say that maybe they just think about the Clone Wars and how the droids were the bad guys, quote unquote, or whatever. Mm, yeah. But I don't know. That's just me kind of pontificating. Once you, su- and, once and you side with the Dark Lord, always with the Dark Lord. Take it easy, bright. <laughs> But, you know, you have that scene in uh, New Hope's like, we don't serve their kind here. It's like, why are you racist against droids? It's fucking dumb. But in this one, it actually makes sense that Mandalorian, that the Mandalorian doesn't like droids because he... Well, he has a potential. He has has trauma connected to droids. Right. So he doesn't trust them. And so he sees the IG unit in the first episode, and he he kills it because it's going to kill Baby Yoda. And... Well, previous Star Wars characters saw the movie iRobot with Will Smith and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they agreed with Will Smith. <laughs> Mandalorian was like, oh, hell no. <laughs> and then you have the IG unit is then repaired. Yeah. Um, he's kind of rebooted and reformatted. So now he just protects and he nurses. And there's great little stuff where now he protects Baby Yoda. Yeah. And there's great sequences where he's on a speeder bike. And he kills a bunch of stormtroopers while he's protecting Baby mm-hmm. Yoda. And it's great. And then there's the whole... We finally... Here's the thing about the Mandalorians. They don't take off their helmets. Um, it should be said that Pedro Pascal and the, the stunt people that also played physically on camera um, when he wasn't there all did a bang-up job of yes. remaining consistent throughout. You can really never tell, except for maybe a couple instances here and there where the body, the mannerisms are a little different. Um, I'm thinking more of like episode four is kind of weird and like he's, he's a little like bit beefy and six five in some shots, but right. And he's also he's a little bit more casual in episode four, and I thought that was kind of odd. But then they kind of went back to the usual stuff. Um, but overall, it's like really consistent. And this is a guy where you don't see his face. Yeah. And um, outside the, of like you the know rule, the rule is uh, you're not supposed to let. Like living, no things. living being can see your face. Yeah, when, when you're a Mandalorian, you, when you're a Mandalorian, yeah. you know it's almost like um, I'm trying to think of a an equivalent, a real world equivalent, but is it like Muslims have they like, cover their hair? Or I mean, I don't want to, I, I don't want to equate it to that. Okay, all right, but yeah, that's fair. That is very fair because am- admittedly, some people point out that like they didn't, like they were surprised people didn't jump on that as being some kind of like weird, like allegory. Yeah, like yeah. some some people were surprised that like more conservative people weren't like, "What the fuck is this? Is this pro Islam?" When you know it's it, it's, it's not. <laughs> no. Well, it's not anti-Islam. <laughs> I didn't want to say it like that, but yeah. you know it's neutral on that. It's not trying to make a comment no, on that. Um, yeah. But it's kind of like you know anything where. Um, you know, it's like the Yakuza with their tattoos. Like, they have tattoos and stuff. Mm. And it's, like, part of their identity. And it's, like, you have your helmet. It's like luchadors. Your, or, the or, luch- or luchadors. That's a more... Poli- <laughs> that's a less <laughs> controversial way to play. Is there a white equivalent? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Rednecks and their rat tails. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> um, 
but he, uh, yeah, so he can't take his helmet off. He doesn't want anyone living to see him. Um, and then there's a scene where he thinks he's going to die and, uh, he tells the others to leave and the IG unit stays and, uh, the IG unit's like, I have to take off your helmet if I'm going to save you. And, um, there's a nice little moment where, um, uh, now because of the whole character arc of the IG unit and the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian sees the IG unit as a living thing, even though he's a droid. Yeah. So when the, when he, he's ready to shoot the thing again, because it's like, Hey, you can't see my face. No one can see my face. No living thing can see my face. And then the IG unit's like, well, I'm a droid. I'm not a living thing. And he's like, Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and that's a great line because one, it's kind of funny, but two, it also is kind of like, it's kind of heartfelt. It's, it's very like, heartfelt. Yeah. It's like, uh, what are you doing? Mandalorian? It's yeah, crazy. It's, yeah. And, and then we see, we see Pedro Pascal's face and it's great. I think, I think the Mandalorian is great at, it basically did everything we were hoping it did. Yes. Because yeah. then we talked about, it's like, well, they got to sh- show his face at some point, And they did. Okay. They've got to establish like what the show is. And it did. The finale has a really great little sequence where they run into the Mandalorian blacksmith again. Mm-hmm. And she makes stuff and uh, she sees, you know, what the Mandalorian's done. And he's like, oh, is this the one? Uh, is this the target that you've killed so many? Or, you know, it's caused all this trouble. And she sees Baby Yoda and... Basically, this whole scene, they in a, in a fairly organic way, they establish what the rest of the show for the foreseeable future is going to be, which yeah. is basically Mandalorian. You have to find Yoda, you have to find Baby Yoda's people. You, you know that's your goal. You have mm-hmm. to return him to his kind, and you'll also kind of take care of him. He'll take care of you. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. That's the mission statement. That's where we're going forward. And it's it's good because it's you have an end goal, but it's vague enough that you can have fun stuff to yeah. do with yes, it. It is very so, open-ended. It's very open-ended. Yeah. It's great. It's kind of like Samurai Jack, which, you know, people have compared this to, where Samurai Jack's main goal is just to get back to his time and stop a coup. That's his goal. But along the way, there's all these cool adventures that he has, and it's great. Mm. Um, so I think it's... Very, very um, well-written, lots of great character stuff, um, great action, especially for a TV pro- production. Yeah. Um, it does a lot of, it, as Neil said, there's a lot of that great tactile quality to it. Oh, yeah. It feels lived in. I love practical Star Wars stuff. Yeah. It, just watching the, the, the pilot, these guys can attest, I was just like giggling because there's just great makeup there's great practical fabrication Mm -hmm. and all types of cool stuff and it just feels just fun to look at Mm -hmm. i think one of the best things i can say about it is the thing that kind of sold me on the show was in the first scene Mm -hmm. um you know how i talk about with superhero movies like all i really want is just like a scene or two or like i just want the the superheroes to use their powers creatively yeah Mm -hmm. like that's all you really have to do and yet somehow so many of them just fuck that up Mm -hmm. the thing that sold me on the show that i thought oh, this is going to be different and very interesting, is, <laughs> funny enough, the shootout at the bar, very first scene in the show, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, Mando is taking everyone down, and it's, you know, it's really quick, and it's cool, and it's efficient, and he grabs the guy with the zip, with the, uh, the zip line and drags him in and then shoots the blast door so that it closes and cuts him in half, and I was like, I've never seen that in a Star Wars before. Yep. But not only that... That is a very creative way to use what is essentially a very Star Wars technology yeah. 
and use that to kill someone. Yep. And that was when I was I thought like this is going to be different. I'm kind of on board for this. And also it's pretty gross. Too. Yeah. <laughs> also, I like how it's a show that even though it's technically like it, you know it's like TV 14 or whatever, so like then they listed it as family on Disney Plus. Obviously it's like PG-13 like the movies and everything else. I Star think Wars. it's a family genre because it's him taking care of a kid. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> File it next to three men and a baby. Um, but, um, it, you know, it, it's it's surprisingly dark and, like, people die. Like, you have the character of Quill mm-hmm. uh, played, voiced by Nick Nolte, yeah. who has, you know, probably one of the more, he's probably one of the more interesting characters in the mm-hmm. show because there's, and there's a lot of subtext to him. They never overtly say, he doesn't just says his backstory like you you know that he was in servitude to the empire against his will and he worked hard for decades eons years for his freedom and now he's free and that's all he wants to do and then in the in but he's still willing like he he goes along with the mandalorian in the final mission he tries to save baby yoda from the stormtroopers but he's killed and it's actually like a fucking like great cliffhanger ending yeah. to the penultimate episode where you just see his his body smoking and like his his blurg his mount yeah. <laughs> dead and just like the mandalorian on the the receiving end of the the space walkie talkie going mm. like quo what's wrong where are you and then cut yeah. and it's great the wookie talkie the wookie talkie <laughs> um well, makes all your words wookie <laughs> Wikipedia, guys. Wikipedia. Which is a real thing. Yeah, it's the Star Wars fan wiki. Uh, Beautiful. Yeah. It's like Bulbapedia for Pokemon. Um, but yeah, like, I loved how, like, they, like he's dead. He dies. Like, there's stakes here. Yeah. You know, people die. Um, obviously, I, the IG unit, which, admittedly, he's a droid, but he sacrifices himself. He's mm-hmm. dead, you know, ostensibly. Mm-hmm. And it's great. Like, there's stakes, and it's awesome. Um and I am excited for the second season, um, fall of 2020, fall of this year. Now it's fall of this year. Um, yeah. And one final thing. Uh, the score is amazing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it should be it should be noted. I forget the guy's name. Ludwig Göransson. That guy. Mm. Um, he does a great job of doing a Star Wars score that is unique among Star Wars scores. Yes. Mm. Because it's not just John Williams stuff again. Mm. Yeah. It's they, they don't even really evoke any like like Star Wars motifs. They just use brass. Or brass. brass they use brass, but yeah. it's not like you don't have like little. Um, you know, the little jingles direct from John Williams stuff. No. You know, as iconic and great as those are, it, it helps it stand as its own thing and disconnects it in a uh, a way it kind of needs to. Yeah. You know, they do mm-hmm. that great, like, flute woodwind stuff that's awesome. Yeah. And that's, like, it's great because now that's kind of iconic for the show. You know, well, it also entered. It also introduces kind of like a new musical language to Star Wars, like it's very right. Eastern influenced, right? Um, I mean, like hell, like one of my pe- one of my favorite pieces of music from that entire series is in Episode Two when uh, Bando's fighting the uh, the uh, Sandhorn or whatever it's mud called, horn. the Mudhorn, mm-hmm. and like the percussion of the piece is literally just like audio of a guy hyperventilating like rhythmically yeah. oh yeah it's just like and it's like, just like great yeah it's just like breathing yeah no the, yeah. the dude's like hyperventilating yeah. but like rhythmically and it's so good i mean like not like that's the first time that's ever been done it reminds me yeah. almost like of akira 
Yeah. Like some of the musical yeah. cues in Akira. Yeah. Which not, is great. Not saying that that's the first time it's ever been done. I'm going to point towards other things. Most prominently, the uh, King Arthur Legend of the Sword score by Daniel Pemberton. Literally mm-hmm. the only good thing about that movie, for which he got criminally underpaid, <laughs> apparently. Yep. Because uh, people on... Because I follow him on Twitter. He's a delight on Twitter. But people... And he's very candid about his process. Like, he'll post videos of him experimenting with dumb shit, and it turns out to be really cool. Uh, like a like creating a, a musical track out of literally just audio of like a squeaky uh, paper towel dispenser. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Nice. Um, and someone was talking about the budget, how high the budget for uh, King Arthur was, and they were saying like, "Man, I sure hope that most of that went towards Daniel Pemberton." And Daniel Pemberton responded to him just out of nowhere and said, "It didn't." Yep. <laughs> um, but you know, like the the, the score is great because. It sounds both like Star Wars, but it also sounds kind of nothing like Star Wars. It, it can comfortably exist in that universe. I can hear it and think, that's the Mandalorian, that's Star Wars, without it sounding like, oh, we got to find something that sounds John Williams-esque. And as much as I love John Williams and, you know, as, I've been critical of some of his output. Really, since I mean, he's also he's carrying a lot of Rise of Skywalker. He is, he is. <laughs> um, but even then, it just sounds like John Williams just kind of doing his thing, rather than just being like, "Wow, what a great score!" It's just like, "No, well, John Williams is putting it in. It's great." But like, I, mean, I that like man this, had to had to score the prequels. <laughs> I still maintain that the prequels kind of killed him. Like he put everything he had into the prequels. And Everyone's acting then. like robots. They're acting like they don't know emotion. Yeah. How do I fix this? If anything succeeds in the prequels, it is because of Mr. Williams himself. And I feel like as a result, that kind of robbed him creatively a little bit. Because like everything after that, like I like when he gets more experimental. And like not that any of his scores have been bad. It just kind of feels like I. Musically, I hear what you're trying to do. I just don't know how well it works. Well, he does like fun stuff and catch me if you can. I like the jazz. Well, that was stuff. before. That was before the. Well, that was that was after. Um, uh, that was the same Phantom year Mouse. as that was the same year as uh, Attack, Attack of the Clones. Clones. Right, yeah. but yeah. I'm still saying it was amongst. Yeah, it was a good. It's a it's a good score. Good score. I like Tintin's score. Yeah, I, I like, like the Munich score, right? Yeah, I like I love the score for Munich. I love the score for uh, War of the Worlds. But even then, that's that's more like experimental John Williams, right. which I dig the hell out of. Yeah. Um, uh, and I mean, like I, he's done some good stuff for the Star I'm just Wars. Just imagining social. him getting like handed like. Here's, uh, hey, John Williams, it's me, George Lucas, here's Attack of the Clones. Can you get, and then he, like, watches it, and he's like, oh, my God, this this couple relationship bullshit is awful. How do I save this? Well, I, I Then he sh- writes, like, the greatest romance theme ever. <laughs> I, it's weird. I gave it to John, and then uh, I didn't see him for 45 minutes, but I thought I heard screaming in the bathroom. <laughs> ah! <laughs> All I know is he chewed through some pillows, it looks like. Um but, uh, and, like, I like a few of the pieces that he did for the sequel trilogy. Like, I love Ray's, Ray's theme, theme. Yeah. so much. Like, that's the, probably the best thing he's written in a decade. Yeah. Um, but then a lot of it just kind of sounds like just John Williams doing his thing. Well, and again, um, I think a lot of it, too, is just the whole kind of fan service intent of the of the sequel trilogy. And they're just like, we're just going to, especially in Rise of Skywalker, where it feels like they're just trying to, like, milk John Williams, like, oh, iconic yeah. stuff oh, as it's, much it's, as they can. It's cruel, almost. Yeah. So. But, 
I enjoy the score for the Mandalorian better than the score for Rise of Skywalker. I mean, like, oh they're, yeah, yeah, they're different, sure. but I mean, like, it's I don't know. To me, it's just, absolutely. It's kind of like this weird passing of the torch. I'm kind of I love John Williams. I think he needs to put Star Wars to rest. Well, and this is clearly he is like he's done with he's Star like Wars. Eighty five or some shit. So. He never even liked his stuff for he Star is Wars. Baby Yoda's age. <laughs> he, <laughs> he's John, nearly twice Baby Yoda's age. Like John Williams, even famously, did not care for his stuff for Star Wars. He kind of viewed it as like, like just meat and potatoes. Like, yeah, I just did it, and somehow it became his most, <laughs> most iconic, iconic scores. I think there's a little bit of. I don't want to say there's resentment or anything there because he clearly loves it. But he's kind of like I didn't like I didn't think of high, as highly of it anywhere near as much as I did these other ones, and yet somehow this one became the one that I'm known for, right. which is just how it works, I guess. It became the biggest movie of the movies he worked on. Yeah, unquestionably. Um, which is saying something because he also did Superman and Jaws and that's true, yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark. And, yeah, but Star know, Wars is what it was. But Star Wars is Star Wars. It's you know. for me like it makes me kind of excited because of this whole passing da- like passing of the torch to this new generation of composers to work on Star Wars. Like you know, Rogue One was what I'd been wanting from Star Wars for a long time for multiple different reasons. But one of the reasons being that Michael Giacchino was going to do a Star Wars score. It was mm. going to be the first time that a Star Wars film was scored by someone who wasn't John Williams and. And Giacchino more than, you know, stepped up to the task. He did a really good job, um, especially considering the fact that he wrote it in three fucking weeks. Yep. Because he was brought on last minute because Alexander de Plat, the uh, the French composer, did the original score. And then with all the reshoots, they, 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 he couldn't come back. Yeah. So, you know, mm-hmm. Giacchino did it in three weeks and he fucking knocked it out of the park. John, Will- John Powell's score for Solo. I mean, like, John Williams submitted a score or submitted a theme for Han Solo. And I like that actually quite a bit. It's still probably the least interesting part of the score because John Powell is a hell of a composer who, sadly, doesn't do as much anymore. Yeah. Like he just kind of pops up here and there, but he used to be like all over the goddamn place, which makes me wonder why. Um, maybe he's difficult to work with. I don't know, but like John Powell, I argue, did an even better job of managing to s- managing to synthesize a weird combination of both John, like sounding like John Williams, but also keeping his musical voice as well. And I argue he probably did it a little bit better than Michael Giacchino. Uh, no shade or anything. It's just like, it's just how it kind of works. Mm-hmm. Um, so with Ludwig Göransson coming in, you know, like I'm excited for these new composers who can take the world of Star Wars and create their own stuff. So like, you know, Daniel Pemberton, I'd love to hear what he has to do with like if they ever bring him on for a Star War, I'd love to hear what he has to do, you know, for for a space a space skirmish. Yeah. <laughs> or like, you know, if you get like maybe a more kind of a more naturalistic, more ambient composer to come in on Star Wars. I want to hear that. That's what I want. I want to... I. It's kind of... How do I phrase this? The future of Star Wars, now that we're done with the Skywalker bullshit, is what excites me more. Rogue One was what I wanted more of because it wasn't just the same fucking characters, the same fucking family, the same leg- legacy, the bloodlines all over again. It was stories with new characters in the same universe. That's what I wanted. it's a fucking galaxy. It's a a fucking huge galaxy, and yet somehow (laughs) only this family matters. And it's so uninteresting. Family matters. (laughs) (laughs) 
God damn it, no. Uh, and the Mandalorian. Like <laughs> and, the Ma- and the Mandalorian excites me even more because not only is it a, a story that takes place within the Star Wars universe, it's a, it's a story within the Star Wars universe that feels nothing like the other ones. It's not trying to be this big, bombastic space opera. It's a fucking samurai slash western. Yep. And that I, and it's I love that I love that so much. So I want Dave Filoni and I want John Favreau to be able to take over Star Wars and just kind of do their own thing mm-hmm. and just keep J.J. Abrams the fuck away from anything. God damn, you the go man back to your closet. the man is good for rebooting <laughs> shit, but you get him out of there as soon as possible. Yeah. Holy hell, just let him produce shit. That's what I love. Yeah, he's produced a lot of great shit. He has, and, you know, like his his mark as a his record as a producer is just fabulous. It, and you know, I can like, never I, hate him too much because he gave us like you know the the great uh, Mission Impossible movies. Yeah, the Renaissance of five, this great trilogy. Mm. And he also know. gave us Lost. Without you know, which you know, feelings on Lost aside, you know, without Lost, we wouldn't have gotten the leftovers, which yeah. led to Watchmen. Watchmen. Mm. Uh, we wouldn't have gotten. Um, Westworld, yeah, you know that kind of st- like oh, you know he's a great producer. He's great, great. He he's good at pitching things and like supporting things. That's what he should do. Yeah, and I just want him to stay away from other <laughs> he, things. He should he should pull a George Lucas just produce shit. Yeah. <laughs> so like like the 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 music, the future of music for Star Wars gets me really excited with the Mandalorian and all these other composers. Now that John Williams is stepping down and we're not covering the fucking Skywalkers anymore. So I'm, but all even then, I, I'm I'm just kind of curious how much I really want to do with Star Wars, considering that the fan base is so awful. Yeah. I just don't like. I want to ingest it. I don't want to talk about it with people. Like that, that's except for like, us because you're talking about. Well, it right I'll, talk, now. I'll talk with you guys. I'll talk with my <laughs> girlfriend. You know, I'll talk to some people. You know that Your I work cats. with. <laughs> yeah, they won't talk to me right now, but it's fine. They're mad I left. Uh, <laughs> Answer my calls. And Beignet doesn't really care for Star Wars because she's too busy eating socks and dirt. She loves sticks, hey, guys. Don't knock it till you try it, Neil. I've tried it. I didn't care for it. You didn't try hard enough, I guess. Um, um, to if I may, if I may use what you're saying to springboard to transition again. Yes. Speaking of the future of Star Wars, now is the time to wrap it all up. We're gonna pitch. What we'd like to see next from Star Wars. Pitch an idea for a movie, a TV show, even a comic book. Mm-hmm. Anything like that. Um, what would you like to see next from Star Wars, let's say? I know people... I thought I saw a Twitter thing that's similar to this. Let's say, like, Lucasfilm approached you. And we're like, you get to choose the next project. What would you do? Uh, okay, so I thought about this a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for that, Neil. Well, you told me yesterday, so it all works out. <laughs> 24 hours, Neil. I want a story about C-3PO and R2-D2. You want, you want droids? You want the I droids want cartoon? droids. <laughs> I want droids, but I want it to be told from the perspective of droids mm-hmm. and how you get into the relationship between droids and humans. Like the classism yeah. of it? Like the classism, <laughs> the kind of like subtle coded racism. Yeah. You know, like kind of almost, I don't want to say like 12 years a slave, but in the Star Wars universe. Be like, but, no. well, like us, but it's like you five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's called we. 
But like that's kind of what I beep boop. But like I want to be, I want to explore the classism, you know, the prejudice yeah. that that droids face because it's something that's only ever been kind of hinted at in the Star Wars mm-hmm. universe and I think probably it's most it's probably at its most forefront uh in solo with the way that L337 talks about droids rights and whatnot even yeah. though it's usually kind of played off as a joke but it's like I think there's something here. Yeah. Uh mm-hmm. so you know like like droids being passed off from different masters to different masters mm-hmm. you know and how that affects them and like you know how droids are treated you know like that's kind of what I want. I really would like that story to really get into like like one of the, my favorite things about the Star Wars stuff is when they dig into like the nitty-gritty like the lore of it. Like and turning it on its head, kind of taking this thing about here's something you didn't think about the Star Wars universe, and we're going to explore it in detail. Like 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 I talk about, you know, the thing that one of the things that I enjoyed about Rogue One the most was the fact that it painted the rebellion in kind of a different light, as opposed to in the previous films where it's very much like starry eyed view of the rebellion, where oh they're so cool, they're so great, they're unquestionably the bad guys, or they're they're unquestionably the good guys. In Rogue One, it's yeah they're the good guys, they're the people that you're supposed to be rooting for. That doesn't make them good guys. Like they're going to take what they want want from you and kind of leave you to hang yeah like that's that's kind of just how they are they're kind of they're very like single-minded in their focus you know they kind of want they they just want that Mm -hmm. um and that's what i want i want to like and i think that's been one of the most criminally under underutilized aspects of the star wars universe because my manager at work and i were talking about this and he even kind of he liked the mandalorian a lot but he kind of criticized it about you know how it treats droids saying that you know like Oh, so this droid matters, and you know it's a crime. You know, if you feel bad when you kill it, but other droids totally like, oh, it just shot him, like they're dead, whatever. Who cares? Mm-hmm. You know, like the, the the show is a little inconsistent about that, and I don't. It doesn't bother me anywhere near as much as it bothers him, and even then, it doesn't bother him that much. He's still like, man, the show's great. But well, it's, <coughs> it's not even so much that like they're trying to say that Mandalorian now loves all droids. No, it's really just the IG unit. Like, no. he sees him as a thing, which, I mean, if you want to get into the nitty-gritty of it, you could say that's, you know, like, I mean, wow, Mando, an, why An ATSD is not quite the same. As well, an ATSD is controlled. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a droid. It's well, a, it's an example a of, like, the R2 unit that does the, the gondola. Yeah. On on the the lava river yeah. and how Gina Carano just shoots it to stop it, which yeah. I mean I guess I could see that, but I think that 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 the intent isn't to say oh well you know Mando now loves all droids. It's really like I said, it's just he he respects this one droid because of what he's been through with it. Mando mm-hmm. loves all droids, much like Cool Cat loves all children. He, I love droids. I love, I love babies. <laughs> I love babies. <laughs> cut cut to that like those uh, Japanese uh, mochi people pounding yes. the great mochi. <laughs> I love baby Yoda's mochi pounding with a mallet. That's just my head on a Saturday morning. So it's cut fun. to a blender of green juice. <laughs> So that's that's kind of a story that I would like to see. It's a very hard sell, I would know, because I stole this pitch from David Fincher himself. Really? Yes. He pitched that to Lucasfilm, and they said, nah. And he said, all right. <laughs> all right, cool. I'll go make fucking Mindhunter. Eat shit. Well, this was a long time yeah, ago. Yeah. Like, this was a long time ago. And they like he was starting to get some clout attached to his name finally and mm-hmm. Lucasfilm was like we'd like we'd like you to make a Star Wars and he was like okay this is what I want to do and they were like <laughs> no <laughs> and he's like okay fine I'm going to go was this make- in the 90s 
Um, or 2000. No, this is like in the 2000s. Okay. When they were starting to make stuff again. And he okay. was like, okay, fine, I'm going to go make Benjamin Button now. <laughs> okay. So I want to say that, like, I, I would love to say that I was creative enough to think of that, but no, I totally stole that from, you know, a currently existing director. But that's because that is the only story that someone has said about, like, what to do with Star Wars that has actually piqued my interest. Mm-hmm. Because, one, I think it's a criminally underutilized aspect of Star Wars lore that, like I said, it keeps being hinted at, but nobody's actually discussed it. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be interesting. And once again, like much like I enjoyed how The Last Jedi kind of introduced that there is totally a, like, a military-industrial complex in Star Wars. We just didn't really think about it. But like now that The Last Jedi introduced it, we're like, oh, of course that exists. Why did we think it didn't? Mm-hmm. You know, I would like to see that. Mm-hmm. I want to give some more color to this to this universe. But also like, I'd like to, I'd like it to maybe cover a few subjects that might be a little difficult through the lens of, you know, characters that people are familiar with. Mm -hmm. Steven. So, uh, where Neil ended is actually kind of a nice transition for the idea that I've been kind of mulling in my head kind of as we've been talking. Cause like all I've really known for sure go like kind of before this podcast started was that I'm kind of like I want to take a break from the Force, and I kind of want to take a break from like lightsabers and Skywalkers and Palpatines, um, you know. Which and, and you guys brought up like Solo, and it's like yeah, like I think I kind of want to explore. I want to explore more like Mandalorian esque, you know, the non mysticism kind of grittier parts of Star Wars, but also. Damn it, man! I want to have some fun. Like, yeah. I want to have some stupid ass fun. <laughs> and Neil mentioning the military uh, industrial complex from Last Jedi uh, made me realize that the perfect character that I kind of want to just go in a direction with this is Benicio del Toro's character. Okay. From and just kind of like, all right, well, it takes place after like the Empire has been t- like the Empire and now also the First Order have been taken down after the Final Order, which you, came after the First Order. You have this in you have this seemingly never-ending battle between the Rebellion and the uh, Empire, which then became the First Order, which was also kind of the Empire because it was Palpatine all along and whatever. But now the Empire slash First Order doesn't exist anymore, and it's just the good people. And so what do you do with all of that, like, evil droids and, like, controllable, like, ATSTs and AT-ATs and stuff? And I just kind of think, like, well, what if, like, Benicio Del Toro's character just, like, had his whole, like... There was just this desert planet, and he just turned it into, like, a Mad Max Thunderdome. <laughs> and, like, it just, like, battle bots. Like, everyone just, like, creates their own little death machines or something with ATSTs, And it just becomes, like, a murder world. It just kind of, like, like, make Borderlands or something, <laughs> okay. like, into Star Wars. Like, maybe have, like, a movie be about, like, trying to serve, like, a normal person. Like, maybe, like, a regular, normal, scrapper-type character... Gets like freaking like shanghaied and winds up on this planet, kind of like Planet Hulk, where it's like he's gotta like like in order to get off this planet or in order to survive, <laughs> he's gotta like survive among these horrible like death race esque like horrible characters. Um, gee, like uh, the the thing I it's like predators. Just take a bunch of like crazy bat shit. I don't know, like, I just imagine, like, just 
what do you do with all of that crap that like no the one side of a war no longer exists and it's like just what what do people do with all those droids and those ATSTs and the AT-ATs and tie fighters or whatever just like what creative monstrosities can people make and like, I, I don't I mean I don't have like a, a real narrative to it quite yet but like it I sounds just, like the start of a show though like Benicio del Toro I I think was a pretty interesting character and again like he kind of brings that like kind of gray area yeah stuff to Star Wars that, that we all kind of liked about Rogue One and I don't know like I think and man I love me some schlock so I just kind of want to <laughs> see do like do something fun with like that you know like what happens to all of that that tech like what do you do with all that? And I don't want to see lightsabers anymore, but, like, hell, maybe some of these, like, maybe somebody finds, like, broken lightsaber parts and it becomes some sort of horrible monstrosity monster thing that, like... Or what uh, if someone uh, actually gets a hold of a lightsaber and it's like, oh, shit, well, how do you compete with a lightsaber? What right. if the person who has arguably the least amount of power in that whole commune gets a fucking lightsaber? Yeah. What do you do with that? Does that person kind of have all the chips now? Yeah. That's fun to explore. Yeah. I like this. I would, if I had money, I would give it to you to yeah. fund that. I also thought you were going to, because you were talking about Veep, I thought you were going to say, like, you wanted to show, like, Veep, but with the First Order. <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, Senator Palpatine going, like, I don't want to be freaking Senator anymore. I was thinking of, like, Hux or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would love this whole that. deal in Rise of Skywalker. Oh, yeah. you know what's even better? But just going back to shitting on Rise of Skywalker for a second. Sure. Okay, so like I thought that the development between uh, Hux and Kylo Ren in Rise of Skywalker was kind of rushed and like, wait, where the fuck did that come from? Where did where did this tension come from? It turns out it's from a an attraction at uh, at the Star Wars Land in Disney that hasn't come out yet. Apparently, that tells the story of how Hux and Kylo Ren aren't friends anymore. Wow. What the fuck? That's also, what... the fact that, you know, the opening scene of Rise of Skywalker is explained directly from a fucking Fortnite event. But... I just, I have a lot of problems. Dark, dark, speak. <laughs> Wasn't, like, Hux's just whole deal that he just wants to be the, the top guy and kind of just wants to kill Kylo Ren? Like, well, for it... that, like, that's what's implied in Last Jedi, right? It was like, oh, I, here's my chance to kill him. Oh, he's getting up. Well, he's... Yeah, which is great. Well, yeah, it was a Hux, great scene. Yeah. It's a great scene, yeah. No, like, well, like, Hux also kind of is not that great on his own. Mm -hmm. So Hux kind of clearly needs Kylo Ren to go and do his own thing. But there's nothing in there that establishes that... Hux would be actively working towards Kylo Ren, like, against Kylo Ren. If anything, Hux would want Kylo Ren to succeed because Kylo Ren is Hux's meal ticket. Yeah. So, like, for him to just be like, oh, I hate him so much, I would sabotage this entire operation just to fuck over Kylo Ren is like, where did this come from? And it turns out it's from a fucking Disney attraction. Wow. Okay. Yep. Sorry. No, Taylor, no, no, no. what's your idea? So I had I, I had a couple, like, little small ones. Like, just it's just more like, I want to do this genre, but in Star Wars. Like, a prison break movie would be fun in Star Wars. Like, kind of go into, like, how the, um, the Empire First Order, like, deal with their prisoners. Yeah. Like, you have, a like, a group of rebels, and they get captured. Mm -hmm. And them just kind of existing... In this, um, in, uh, 
this prison and breaking out. You know, I'm thinking of like the movie Fortress. Mm-hmm. Remember the movie Fortress? Yep. Yeah, <laughs> like that, but obviously with a lot more budget and a better script. <laughs> <laughs> but just that kind of idea of under the the tyrannical rule of the empire, like how does that affect you know the the average Joe? Because that's a thing that is kind of glossed over in a lot of Star Wars. Is like how does this affect? the average Joe, yeah. you know, like you could have someone who's wrongly accused of something and they go into prison, you know, and you could make it, you know, a prison break movie or you do something not quite orange is the new black, but like you just have it be like this ensemble thing with lots of fun characters in a prison yeah. kind of deal with that. Um, kind of piggybacking off of Steven's thing. I just like the idea of like introducing more of like racing in Star Wars, I gave you all these cool vehicles, yeah. and you're just like racing. Like pod racing as a concept is cool, mm-hmm. you know. Make a thing about that where you have like like you follow a team that like race mm-hmm. um, in pod races. Like how come pod racing is never mentioned in anything ever again <laughs> after <laughs> the first movie? You know why is pod race is po- pod racing outlawed by the Empire? We don't see that in in a New Hope. We don't see. Are any- you pitching Fast and the Furious? No, I'm but pitching is- like. Hot Wheels, like that Hot Wheels cartoon, but it's fucking pod racing. <laughs> I'm, I'm pitching Speed Racer with Star Wars. Gotcha. It's great. It's a fucking family. <laughs> and there's a, still a spaceship. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> I want that shit, you know. And I was also thinking of, like, I like the, the heist nature of some parts of Solo, mm-hmm. and I kind of want more of that. Yeah. I think that, like, just... More like the crime and like you know deal stuff with Java, the scum and villainy of it, the whole underworld. Which you know the the animated stuff has has touched on a lot more. Yeah. Is a lot of like stuff with Java, but yeah. you know, or even just kind of a Java show. You know, yeah. kind of a uh, like a Suicide Squad, but with like Java. well, I was gonna say more um, someone working for Java and like mm. that whole like just. A lot of my ideas are just illuminating corners of the Star Wars universe that mm-hmm. we've only touched upon. It's kind of like, you know, Niels did with the the droids and that they they hint at it. They put little breadcrumbs about the nature of the droids' existence in Star Wars. It's like, well, we've touched upon a lot of stuff with Jabba, you know, and obviously he dies in Return of the Jedi. But what it about doesn't fucking matter? <laughs> That's still a great part, though. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it totally is. <laughs> like, that's, I know that's a big argument against the first act of Return of the Jedi, but I still love it. Oh yeah, um, and just stuff like that, like like a fucking Sopranos type deal, but with Jabba and just trying to like um, maybe not Jabba himself, but like I don't know some character that's like taken under his wing and just having to like the whole um, dealing with. Like a gangster movie in Star Wars, like a Boardwalk Empire type deal, yeah. but in the Star Wars universe where it's like you can't be half a gangster. You have someone who, yeah, they've done bad stuff, but now they have like they have to decide: do they go full on into the dark, the dark um, underbelly, the the hive of scum and villainy that is spice you know, running, yeah, spice running and whatever and that kind of stuff, and have that be a thing and kind of illuminate more the the uh criminal underworld of star wars mm-hmm. i think that would be really cool so um i don't know take your pick <laughs> speed racer in star wars <laughs> sopranos in star wars <laughs> yeah, i still take it yeah um prison break in star wars <laughs> blank and star wars 
I think all three of our pitches sound like they could potentially be like incel. Dark, like not your dad's Star Wars. Kind of <laughs> this ain't movie. your fucking daddy's Star Wars. <laughs> Except it's based on on genres your dad probably loves. Vapes. <laughs> this is totally something your dad would love because they're all genres your dad obviously loves: <laughs> racing, crime, <laughs> racial injustice. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, anywho, Star Wars. We let's just say we we came out of this happier than when we started because we talked about the Mandalorian. There you go. <laughs> Second. So um, anyway, uh, any last thoughts on Star Wars or anything like that, gentlemen? No, no. Now that we're done with the the Skywalker saga and the Mandalorian and our crazy ass ideas have just kind of illuminated the rich variety of possibilities that Star Wars could go in. Now that you're not tethered to like two or three families, yep. yeah. When I, I feel like a lot of the animated stuff, touch, like mm-hmm. especially like Rebels, like there's Force stuff and there's Jedi's in that, right. but they're not just they're not. He's not a Skywalker. Yeah, he's not yeah, a Kenobi. Yeah. It's just oh, he's a person. Like and that he, does sound more interesting. You know, yeah. it's more interesting that way. So like a lot of stuff we've talked about has probably been done in those shows. That's true. Um, but we're also ignorant in that regard. I do want to watch Battlebots Thunderdome. Maybe I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> I don't fucking know. We haven't seen the 80s cartoon droids. We haven't seen Ewoks. Maybe Ewoks is fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Just eyes wide shut, but with Ewoks. Oh, gross. God. All right, let's wrap this up after that. No. You talked about scores for a while. I don't want to talk about eyes wide shut with Ewoks, damn it. Let me have the snail. Let me have this. <laughs> Please, for the love of God, just let me have this. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, anyway, Star Wars. Star Wars. Nothing but Star Wars. You're just stalling now. <laughs> Whatever. Say goodnight, Stephen. Goodnight. There you go. Ooh. Say say goodnight, Neil. Goodnight, Neil. Okay, we're remain at large or some shit. Whatever. See you next time. Bye. <laughs> Directed by someone else. <laughs> Release the Abrams cut. <laughs> Don't you fucking do this. Drop Steve, we're done. I've cut it by this point. <laughs>